Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, this is a sport that's on the precipice of irrelevance. The games are taking over three and a half hours. Playoff games are taking over four hours. Game's too long, too slow. Who cares? This is a situation where baseball's in trouble to begin with. The MLB is officially dead. Baseball is dead. Rest in It's announcement day. We have a big announcement today. Uh, Joseph just found out uh, he was outside the loop, was not involved in the process, uh, was kept outside on this. Did you have any guesses on what it could have been, Joseph, before before you found out? I thought it was a fucking I thought it was just a prank. I thought you were pranking people. We're not a prank podcast. That's the type of guy you are just to, you know, fuck people over and lie. <laughs> it's it's incredible that it hasn't taken Joey Long at all to get a feel for exactly who you are, and, and that's what I love about Young Joseph. That's just not true at all. That that's actually a, it's a wild accusation. No, I say Joey's got a great um, feel for personality. Yeah. Um. Before before we get into the the announcement, um, Dallas, you were wearing a ring before before we started recording. I, What's up? There was a. Uh, it was next to your wedding ring. Uh oh, oh this this old thing right here. Mm-hmm. That, that thing right there. Yeah. Yeah. What's up with yeah. that? That right there. What's up with it? Mm-hmm. That's some hardware. That's some hardware. As you guys you know, know it? it was fantasy camp season, mm-hmm. and uh, well, they don't give those out to the second place team. <laughs> right. You know that's not a it's not a consolation camp. It's uh you strap on your jocks, you you pull up your socks. And you get ready to do the damn thing yeah. for a week and a half. And at the end, whoever shall be standing shall be rewarded, shall be showered with champagne, shall be given the ring. And that's exactly bam, what that bad boy is right there. That is the 2023 Fantasy Camp Champ Rank. Wow. Holla. Yeah. Did you pitch? Did you Round pitch of applause. All? Round of applause. Um, no. no uh, we did not get to have the pros versus Joe's camper game. Uh, okay. so first year, we've never been able to do that, and that's because it was raining. Cats and it was just fucking pissing in Arizona. Had almost an entire day uh, of camp wiped out, but uh, we were able to battle through the elements. My team only lost one game all week long. All week long, okay. we only lost one game. That's right, nine and one, nine and one in route to the championship. Played three ball games. On Championship Sunday, one uh, last one of them bad boys, and uh, like I said, it was champagne in the eyes at about nine p.m. 
in the desert, and I don't know if you could have scripted it because I'm going to be honest with you. I got fucking sideswiped, just a huge bender in the coach's room. They broke Bobby Crosby and I up. Bobby Crosby and Ooh. I have been managers, pit, manager, pitcher, coach the whole time. And we had some folks get sick, some instructors not be able to make it. So, hey, we got to spread it out. So they mm-hmm. told me, and I shit you not, 10 seconds before the draft starts. We're in the draft room. Crosby and I are now strategizing. We're talking about the players he saw on the fielding side of things. I'm talking about the players I saw in the bullpen. And that's, that's how we make our magic, right? Well, they fucking split us up right then and there. They're like, hey, coach is short, blah, blah, blah. Dallas, you got to manage your own team. Oh, fuck. Really? God. Like, I, you know, I usually roam around and, and talk to other teams and shit. All right, fine. Let's, let's go. So put the draft hat on. And from there, that's, that's when the story started. You know, it was my, my prowess in the draft room that separated me from the rest of the managers there. And uh, the players, you know, what little part they played in, in winning those games. Um, <laughs> they did what I asked them to do. And if you just do what yeah. I ask you to do, you're going you're gonna to be in a great spot. And that's what happened. I put each and every one of these people in the best spot possible. And at the end of the week, we're high-fiving. At the end of the week, we're the fucking champs. I mean, put it like this. At the start of the week, my team's name was Zero Chance. And then... That doesn't feel like great leadership. For, for You got to inspire these people. You got to motivate these people. Jared? No. You got to motivate not, these people. That wouldn't work with me. Well, you know what? And you would have just sat right next to me on the bench. You'd have got the balls in the backstop, and you'd have just been happy to be there. And you'd have watched the other Warriors go to fucking work. Well, that's just that's just a bad manager to keep your best player on the bench. So, nine and one, one ring later. Thank you. Thank you. You know? Um, yeah, it was a lot of hard work on my part. Um, yep. Sacrifice some some players' quads out there. Uh, it, was, it was bad. I do got to mention uh, one Brody Brazil. If you don't know him, he does uh, does pre and post game stuff for the A's. He does pre and post game stuff for the San Jose Sharks. Guy is fucking awesome, awesome. Uh, he spent the last two years telling Dave Stewart and I just how much ass he was going to kick at fantasy camp. What a fucking impact he was going to make, like championship or bust. He's like, I'm going to be pissing all over you two all year long next year. When I go and ball out, win camp MVP, win the fucking championship, you guys are going to hate working with me. And we're like, Brody, we, we already don't like working with you, but it's, you know, that could probably make it worse, I guess. Well, Brody saw one pitch in fantasy camp. The first pitch he saw, he liked it. He swung. Brody also blew his hamstring out immediately after that on his way down to first. Hammy gone, blown, bam. So he missed a couple of days, tried to weasel his way back in the game, but of no consequence. He was, he's just not an impact player. So uh, his team fell out of the race. <clears throat> uh, it was probably better that he didn't play those early days. But yeah, that's how fantasy camp went. I won. Uh, Take home congratulations. message. Yep, thank <clears throat> congratulations. Congratulations. Uh, next year, uh, I would like to see uh, Joseph head on over to Arizona to be on your team. I want to see Joey mic'd up making content, playing for your team. What position would you play, Joe? Shortstop. Oh, no, okay. no, no. Perfect. See, I, yep. you got you to understand. No, I've got a, no, I've got no, a no, combo. No. I, got a, no. I drafted a father and two son trio. Don't care. Trade them. No, well, one of them won MVP. Trade the, other, the other one could have. 
And 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 the father is maybe one of my favorite players in all of camp because he's a little Tasmanian devil. I told him, said don't I just matter. I stuff him in his cage. I don't feed him for the entire camp. I just kick his cage every night before I go to bed, and then I let him out on the field in the morning, and he goes fucking haywire. Sell high. <laughs> Sell high. <clears throat> Anyways. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so thank you for acknowledging my championship. I appreciate that. You didn't course. have to do that, yeah. but you did. I'm a, I'm a big time. I'm a team guy. You are. When, when it's your time to shine, it's your time to shine. You know, you, you put me over when the Red Sox won the World Series. It's the least that I can do to put you over when you win the A's Fantasy Camp Championship. Yep. yep. Those are those are absolutely the same standard. And I, I, yeah. I'm glad that you pay that much attention to it. So thank you. Of course. Of course. Uh, <clears throat> so if you... uh. If you follow along on Twitter or if you listen, did you see people? People were pissed that we made an announcement last episode. The announcement was that, that we that we would have an announcement on this episode and they were yeah. mad about that. That was yeah. stupid. That was stupid. That they did. Shut the fuck up. All right. <laughs> Shut up. Can fun. we have a little fun? We're having a little fun. Can't we just can't we just say like next week we're announcing something? Yeah. And be creative about it. Oh, this week we have an announcement. The announcement is that we have an announcement next week. Shut the fuck up. So hang don't, in there. Don't yeah, don't tell me what's funny. That's funny. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyways. So without further ado, everyone figured it out. <laughs> everyone yeah, everyone yeah. immediately knew what it was. it was. Which was crazy because I mean like spring training is right around the corner. Like, what if we had some really cool spring training plans? Which we do. Like we are going to be doing some spring training stuff. I actually, uh, I was on the phone with the higher ups this morning, getting some info on on what will become of our spring training trip. I don't know if we're are we allowed to call it spikes up. I feel like we are, right? I don't know. Yeah, I are came we? up with that fucking name. Uh, yeah, I'll call it whatever the fuck I want. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. All right. So spikes up toward two point will be sometime next month, February. I'm doing. I think I'm doing a month in Fort Myers for uh, the Nesson Like a Pro show, and then the plan is to do a month in Arizona for uh, Spikes Up 2.0. So that could have been what the major announcement was, but I don't think it would have been as major no. as what the announcement is. No, not because even close. for the first time in two and a half years. I have the pleasure of saying for the first time. Don't fucking tease me. Jay, hey! Hey, yo. What's up, kid? (laughs) What is up, kid? Longest bathroom Mm. break ever. Oh, man. You told us this is like, wow. You told us you were going to get milk, and the next thing you know, two and a half years later, uh, you're gone. What a trip that was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, wouldn't want to do it again. Uh, but I'm glad to be I'm glad to be back, or I'm glad to be here for the first time uh, for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's so good. It's so good to hear you guys' voice again and see your faces at the same time. And it's been a long two and a half years. But um, in some ways, I feel like I haven't really talked baseball in like two and a half years uh, well, in the way that I want to. So well, this is very exciting. I tell you what. It's been so long, like Jared said, you left for fucking milk and cigarettes, and we look up, and you've got yourself a whole separate fucking family these days. That's true. I do. I do. Mm-hmm. Well, it's 
it's with the same family that I was with uh, before. I haven't started like an actual new family, but um, it's how it felt. Yeah, I do have a do- I do have a daughter now. That's changed. She's eleven Girl, months Dad. old. So, yep. So Dallas and I are are in business there. I'm a few behind you, I guess. But you've had like six since the last time I was on this podcast. But um, yeah, it's uh, couldn't couldn't really talk baseball for a couple of years. Um, really at all. Uh, but certainly not the way that, you know, a podcast with the two of you or now the three or four of you, um, would, would need. So it's, uh, it's nice to be a little liberated in that sense. For sure. Can we, can we explain like, you know, we don't have to go into like super detail, but exactly yeah. like what happened because one second you were there and one Correct. second you were gone and People were like, where the fuck's Jay Hay? And we couldn't really say anything. You couldn't say anything and we couldn't really address it. And it was just kind of a shitty situation for everybody involved. Yeah, it sucked. Um, sucked to like be so vague about it and kind of leave people hanging. But, you know, I, I kind of got blindsided by it too. You know, I was, as a lot of the listeners know, or some know, I was working for Major League Baseball um, once I left Barstool as a full time employee. And, you know, the people that I worked for when I was hired, uh, said that I would be fine to continue uh, doing the Starting Nine podcast on the side, uh, producing it because you guys had asked, uh, and you know, being involved in it on air, uh, you guys had asked that I that I asked that, and they said yes. And so for like a year and a half, two years of working there, that was the setup. And then uh, different people got involved and said, actually, no, uh, you're not doing that anymore. And it became you know, kind of like a career issue for me and for obvious reasons, you know, like, you know, full-time pay and healthcare and things like that. I had to, I had to make the decision that I couldn't continue on the podcast. And, you know, that, that didn't just mean the starting nine podcast with you guys. That meant like, you know, really any podcast that wasn't, you know, a direct entity of major league baseball and none of them invited me on. So, um, which is crazy by the way. Yeah. Well, and, and Jay, Hay, I want to warn to you. Have- to have you in house and be like, eh. right, right. <laughs> I, I do want to warn you though. Um, your initial move to consider your family and to love your family. Uh, we got a fellow on this podcast. He doesn't sit well. He does <laughs> no. not sit well with with family. Anti-family? Yeah, you can't. Yeah, yeah if it's it, look, prioritizing it's family, big issue with this guy. Yeah, yeah. big, big fucking issue. Well, I just have him. It's not really. I'm pro family, but just not on my team. Like if you're playing, for there's me. no, there's no more your team than this podcast. Like so, it, like get to know each other a little bit. Uh, Jay Hay is a Guardians fan. Joseph is a Atlanta Braves fan. So he, and during the Freddie Freeman situation, didn't love how. Uh, basically freddie freeman chose his family and being a family guy over the boys um <laughs> so yeah <laughs> like I, you you talking about having to make these decisions that were best for your family i don't know that he's gonna he's gonna love it's that. not gonna resonate yeah, yeah. No, um, no 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 it's he just no that's but, fair he just we, we wouldn't right want to be on the same side yeah, yeah. joy um, just joy just text me what a bitch <laughs> <laughs> Joey's right. Yeah, we need more con- we need more conflict. It's not the two of you. Um Yeah, so it was um and yada yada yada. Uh I no longer work for Major League Baseball. Um so that's why um I'm fortunate enough or one of the reasons I'm fortunate enough to be here. Um you know, maybe someday 
down the line, we can do a fireside chat and we can do funny stories from, you know, kind of in, from inside. Uh, but I'll yes. just say, I think it was one of those situations where it's, it's, you know, like the corporate version of don't meet your heroes or like, you know, maybe, maybe you're a big time McDonald's fan and you get invited to, you know, the farm where they slaughter the cows right in front of your face and turn Ooh. it into that pink goo. You know, maybe it, it's one of those experiences, I think, as I look <laughs> back on it, there are a lot of, a lot of people doing a lot of great work there, but, um, you know, the time had come and I'm very excited to kind of look at baseball from a different angle again. Well, yeah. as always, their loss is our gain, our regain. Thank you very much. It's great to it's great to be back, so to speak, for sure. Yeah, great off season well, for baseball, by the way. Huge, phenomenal. And 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 I I don't even think that I want to narrow it down to just this particular off season. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit an ad read, and on the other side, by the way, this episode 69 that we get Jay Hay back. That's fantastic. I love that. Fucking uh, love that. The nice. I'm gonna hit an ad read here, and on the other side of that, I feel like. And and I don't know what you've come strapped with here today, but I think people want to hear your thoughts on shit that may have happened years ago. So like we sure. just didn't <laughs> we just did not get those takes. So it's almost like the the Jay Hay top ten reactions to things that have happened since he's been gone. Uh I would love to I would love to hear those thoughts because I mean there's I, I would say <laughs> during the uh, during the starting nine era, Jay Hay was essentially the the moral compass of the program. Uh, I would have my thoughts. Dallas would have his thoughts. I was right. And then Jay Hay would come in in the middle and be like, this is ultimately where logic stands on this. You can have irrational opinion number one, irrational opinion number two, but the, the sound logic opinion uh, falls right here. So before we get there, the NFL playoff action continues. By the way, Dallas, congratulations. Dallas Cowboys dismissing Tom Brady in the postseason. Oh, my God. Holy <laughs> shit. What an ass meeting. <laughs> but I got to tell you, I was not prepared to celebrate until there were four zeros on that fucking scoreboard. Just straight up. That son of a bitch will make you uneasy with a 30-point lead. Doesn't matter. So shout out to them boys. because. We damn boys. Suck it, TB12. Get some more fucking kale in that diet. See you next year, bitch. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57 and for the <laughs> NFL divisional round. Check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all and new, uh, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings, and with each leg, you add up to one hundred percent. Dallas, what uh, what, what were you looking at in that that Cowboys game? What what did you uh, would you throw some 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 scratch on? Well, I took I took the Cowboys in the points. Okay, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Cash me outside. How about that? <laughs> Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the promo code Jared, J-A-R-E-D. New customers can bet just $5 on the NFL divisional round and get $200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code Jared. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Uh, Okay. So we're talking summer of 2020. That's how long (laughs) Jay Hayes been gone. Let's get some predictions. Let's get some. <laughs> let's get some 2020 postseason. First of all, uh, you know, uh, Dodgers World Series is that is that is that a Mickey Mouse trophy or is that legit? 
Uh, I lean more. I'm going more legit. Um, I think that the fact that they have been so dominant both before and after that title kind of helps me feel that way. Like it, it feels sort of more of an appropriate, like they got one as opposed to, you know, some team that came out of nowhere and kind of like a junky postseason format in a 60 game season and, you know, captured some title where their roster had no business doing that. Like, in a sense, I feel bad for the Dodgers or Dodgers fans that that's currently the only one that they have to show for this run, um, which is obviously of historic proportions. But, um, you know, you still have to win the games. And I think I, I think an argument can be made that that championship is more challenging and more impressive in a lot of ways than a full compliment uh, or a season that didn't have the the massive covid challenges that 2020 had so i would lean legit can you explain why can you just a little a little in depth on that why because i wanted to think the same thing teams have the opportunity to close a gap or just get off to a great start and never really fall into that lull that makes it more competitive fair to say yeah like this the sample is a little bit shorter so like a, a legitimately excellent team like the dodgers i think would be more susceptible to to, to not being rewarded for how good the roster is in a season like that than they would be in a season where they get to play 162 and it's a little bit more of a standard postseason format. Um, you know, and also in just like the, the legit, like the, the practical on field challenges that not just the Dodgers face, but every team faced that year because of COVID, like, I guess you could say every team faced it. So it doesn't make it more challenging, but to me, like to, to be the team that came out on top, uh, with all that adversity, I do think I think that enhances it a little bit from some perspectives. Devil's advocate, the Dodgers yeah. are the team that didn't follow the rules at all and didn't care when their players got COVID. They just let them play anyway. So maybe that's why it doesn't count. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the sports community in baseball specifically is a pretty forgiving one. And uh it seems like a lot of people have moved on from the fact that the Astros like cheated, cheated. Pete um, Rose would like to chat with you about that. And well, Pete Pete does himself no favors anytime. It's like it's like he reoffends every single time he appears. Give him um, the opportunity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's. I, I guess I would have to look a little bit more into the specific COVID violations. <laughs> I was just talking about uh, the last game with Justin like you Turner. Might have this one down as a no, Braves fan. No, Justin, Justin Just, Turner. Yeah, Jay. Hey, he's a fucking slippery little fucker. Oh, Turner. Right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 That, was, that was pretty flagrant there at the end. Yeah. <laughs> that was. I wild. forgot about that. Justin Turner. Like what? He tested positive in like the third <laughs> inning. Yeah, they of removed the him, and then the, and then he was able to come back down on the field. I don't think he was able to. I think he just did it. Well, hey, fuck it, you know? <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do? Suspend me? The fucking season's over. We just won the World Series. <laughs> yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to celebrate this, bud. Dude, GPS back then? over. Lucky didn't put him in jail, bro. That shit was a <laughs> yeah. big deal, man. Yeah, if he was yeah. at the airport in Japan, it'd be a different story. Or China, it'd be a different story. He'd be yeah. thrown in one of those little cube things. Fucking gone. Yeah. Uh, so what are what have been your your burning hot takes since being out of action i know what question well, i want to ask you too. yeah go ahead i i mean the one thing i did want to say that i think you guys specifically and you know previous podcasts that you guys recorded were on top of was it's just been so rewarding to see the otani stuff and i know you guys have him thoroughly covered um maybe a little maybe a little too covered from the perspective of some people here Stop but it. um 
I, he has been like, there's been the rest of baseball and then there's been like the Shohei Otani viewing experience for me since the last time I was on a podcast. And it's like, That's so they're kind of their own. You. Yeah. They're kind of their own things. Um, oh. especially oh. as like, especially as like the hitting and the, and the pitching oh. have like both risen to oh. elite levels. It's like, you don't have to, you don't have to grind through Otani, not finding the strike oh. zone for a start anymore to, in order to watch him hit. You don't have, I mean, that occasionally happens, I guess, but like with much less frequency than it used to, or like you, you're not getting like these protracted slumps that you might've gotten in the first season or two offensively when he could get a little lost, like in 2020, for example. But like, I just, um, speed, you know, it's speechless a lot of the time and he's, he's appointment viewing in a way that nobody else in the sport, uh, is and. I know that's not breaking any new ground, but in terms of things that have been front and center for me, like it's, he's absolutely been there and I'm not even a little bit tired of it either because oh we're probably, no, on you'll the get tired of it. Oh. Well, Once. we're probably, I'm talking about viewing him. Like we're probably on the verge of seeing him on a new team, like yeah, within there, the next calendar year. There's people year, out right? there that make you tired of seeing him for sure. But well, I, maybe I'm not maybe I'm not engaging with those people or yeah. maybe I have them muted on Twitter or something like that. Or, <laughs> yeah. Um, for sure. I know that guy's brand and I'm not, I'm not interested in participating with any of that, but I think my appreciation is just a little bit more standard than his maybe. Um, but yeah, it's uh, maybe a new team, maybe a situation where we're seeing him in some more high leverage game to game spots, more mm-hmm. high level, you know, a high leverage postseason spot. That's going to that, be on the verge. He could he could reset contract standards and records. Like I think we're just kind of getting started with some of the Otani attention. It's kind of cool. Oh yes, and you know what? I'm fucking time out. I don't like the fact that we have to question which motherfucker you might be talking about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not trying to get extra. Yeah, it's like don't speaketh. You know? I know, like, but but these other two fucks that we're sharing squares here with today, Jay Hey, they uh they they've taken they they've they've taken exception. To my love. That's not true. Joey is Joey is a Shohei honk, dude. Yeah, I'm a, I'm I can't, right there. I can't Joe imagine there's Shobe. an anti Shohei at this point. You're either just like, oh. you're either generally positive or you're like obsessive about it. Jer- and- Jared Jared tried to Jared tried to enforce uh, a rule where we just we're gonna not be allowed to talk about Shohei Otani. Yeah, and that's that, not true. That is true. Here's what happened. No, no, didn't want to talk about it. Here, here's what happened, Jay. Hey. Um. I didn't want to have a Shohei versus Aaron Judge MVP yeah. debate on every single episode, so right. I banned it until it was actually time for for voting. I did think it got it not on this podcast, but just generally in the media. I did think it got like a little corrosive and like did a disservice to both of the players and the seasons that they were having because like I just felt like we spent as much time talking about the fact that like you know, whatever judge judges home run is, is, or isn't a record. Like I don't know. It's the seventh most ever of all time, whatever. I don't care. Like there was some lore attached to what he did. It was a cool experience. It was also its own viewing experience. And, um, like those seasons where it just reminded me of like the Miggy trout MVP seasons a little bit where, Oh, like I, I just felt like we ended up spending. And again, we, the general baseball community, like ended up spending too much time talking about like why this guy was more valuable than the other while like they're both fucking raking all over the place and 
and having legendary seasons within their own careers. So, um, I, 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 I'm, I'm with you. I, I had enough of the MVP debate between those two last season. And, um, it was basically that it felt like that and Albert Pujols were like the storylines that carried baseball for like a month and a half solid, uh, up until the final weeks of the season. And that the got Pujols little... one was at least digestible. Like Judge yeah, versus Otani was too toxic because it was very, it, it reminded me of politics where the, there was the Otani people who were never going to budge off Otani, the judge people who were never going to talk uh, budge off judge. So having a debate about it wasn't yeah. changing anyone's minds. It was just two groups screaming at each other. Whereas the Pujols thing, it's like, no, who wasn't rooting tone for those stories for sure. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. I feel like just baseball like, as a community was united over watching the pools chase for 700. Where it's can I, like, can I ask you where you're at? Just what was your selection? You don't have to go in depth on it. Yeah. You don't have to. Um, but what was your MVP selection? Again, this isn't a rehashing of it. I just want to know where yep. you fell. Yeah, I would have gone with I would have gone with Judge. Um, oh. But it was I one did of those not see. I thought you were fucking all in on Otani there. It was one of those scenarios. It, it, it wasn't to me like one of those years where I was super indignant if it had gone either way. Like I wasn't. For whatever reason, I wasn't one of the polarized camps on like it must be one of these two guys. Like I, I, I think there's a compelling argument that Otani's overall package was the more valuable contribution to the season, like in terms of. Hey, what was your wins above replacement? What was your, even if you don't want to use that specific metric, what was your overall value to the team? And then, like, I, I do think it matters a little bit that Judge Judge's contributions were coming in like higher leverage games overall, higher leverage situations. Like, I, I think that matters. Um, he carried a team that that won its division uh, for an extended stretch. I do. I think that matters. I would have been fine with either one. I always expected that. The amount of noise given to the debate would always outpace what the voting was going to look like when it came down to it, though, because I really was convinced that a lot of people were going to go with Judge, and it really was not that close of an MVP vote in the end, if you want to just look at voting points, right? Um, but, you know, to me, it wasn't, you know, I, I saw the Johan Bartolo Cologne thing floating around on Twitter recently for that for the Cy Young. And it, it wasn't like that where it's like some dude got ripped off. Um, I just think two legendary seasons collided at the same time. Yeah, like and I think you can also argue that like, Otani's the MVP in any given season where he's upright. Um, that's fine too. I'd be fine with that. Yeah, yeah. like do you, let me ask you this: If Aaron Judge finishes with fifty nine home runs, does yeah. So Shohei Otani won the MVP. Like, was it really just about like passing Roger Maris? No, I think it was more about the pursuit than 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 getting there. Like, I think most people had probably convinced themselves that, and justifiably so, I think that by the time he made it like a conversation, like once he got to fifty eight, fifty nine, sixty, and like the storyline crested, and like everybody was kind of invested in it. Like, I think he'd probably reached. The, the level where he would have needed to be to get the MVP. I think if he had come up short and sat on 60 or 60, like whatever, I, th I still think he would have won um, because the magnitude of his offensive season and um, not that it was done for the Yankees, but that it was done for a division leading team uh, that really kind of needed his performance. Fair. I, I'm, I'm surprised. Dallas, what, 
What are, what are your comments here? Because I feel like you're just you're stewing right now at the idea no, that Jay. No, 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 no. I, I feel like uh, I feel like there was a possibility that Jay Hay could have been swayed. Jay Hay could have for been sure. swayed during <laughs> for sure. our you mean conversations. Bullied? bullied? No, no, just just swayed. Presented with the information in the fashion that I would have presented it with, that okay. I did present it with. He would have he would have. Uh, I, I think there's a possibility he would have seen the light. Yeah, I think it was close. I think it was closer than the voting let ended up being, um, but I don't think it was some, tra- you know, some tragedy that we'll look back on that you know Otani was denied another MVP in in twenty twenty two. Maybe yeah. maybe it'll maybe we'll be like it probably should have gone that way, but I don't think it's going to be anything well, that requires I, a lot of hand. I mean, look if Altuve and if the Altuve and Judge thing yeah. <clears throat> works out the way it did in what is that seventeen. Yeah. Then, I mean, <laughs> this is, I don't want to say it's like that because there's a record broken. There's, but uh, yeah, I mean, there, there, it could have that kind of feeling later down the road because in the moment, there's a lot of hype around the Astros, the championship, you know, Altuve's impact, blah, 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 blah. And so the MVP is not something that was so like, what? Come on. By so many people. There's a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. That that caused a stunk about it, and justifiably so. You go back and look, you're like, well, uh, that might have been his. It might have not been L2V's. Um, so yeah, but uh, I, I yeah, I was initially, I did not have him going judge, Jared. I did not have that. Did not have um, Jay Hay judge on my bingo card. What else we got? What else? What else do you got? Oh, uh, uh, uh the uh, the rules changes and the implementation. Like the bigger, I want. I want to know just because I, I I know your brain. The bigger base. What does the bigger base do for you? If the bigger base increases, um, like a willingness to steal, um, or like a willingness to put some of that back into the game because you're incrementally closer, uh, I think that's probably a good thing. Uh, I think that, um. You know, maybe from a more like less sexy but more practical standpoint, like I think if it reduces injuries, which I do know is part of the the reason for the implementation, that's obviously a good thing because nobody likes seeing the ankle snap on the corner of the base because they're all fighting for the same, you know, small piece of turf there on the base. Uh, I my my guess is is that like most of these rule changes, it's going to either have an effect that is ultimately negligible and people don't really notice, or that um, is going to feel like a natural part of the game sooner rather than later. The one I'm I, I am interested to see the the shift stuff. Yes, um, naturally, because that that is as interesting to me as like all the other ones combined. Because I'm not totally convinced that it's going to have the level of impact that maybe a casual fan who maybe has done a lot of complaining about the shift or what they think the shift is doing to some of the players or the games. Like I'm not, I'm not totally convinced that it's going to have that, that like balls in play impact that I think some people want it to have. Um, How many left-handed hitters? Let's all take a guess. I could be proven wrong. Like I'm not rooting either way. I'd, I'd rather more balls be in play. I'd rather there be more, uh, more action in the game generally, but I think I think there might be some unintended consequences with this one too that I and maybe the implementers can't totally foresee. Well, this is what I was going to ask: is how many left-handers hit uh, three hundred last year? 
How many left-handers hit 300? What do we think that number is? Anybody have a guess? Three. No, two. Yeah, one, one hand. Yeah. Okay, so then does that number increase? And if it does, is that a way to assess the impact of the shift right there? Just because we see, um, I don't want to say, I, I, well, I guess I think it's fair to say we see more shifting on average against left-handed hitters or more egregious shifting against left-handed hitters than we do against right-handed hitters, right? Miguel Cabrera and Pujols are, you know, some of the only guys that you can conceivably stick a person out in shallow left field and still get the out at first base. So that's not happening the way it's happening to left-handed hitters in right field. So that's why I, I threw the lefties out there initially. And then I'm asking if it's five, if five left-handed hitters hit 300 last year and 10 hit 300 this year, and maybe three out of those next five that hit 300 were never above like 260 hitters. Is there something to that? Like, I don't know what line of demarcation numerically that we could implement that says this is where the success is, but that's why I, I, I love the take that you're not sure what it's going to look like. Cause I think it's a, it's, I don't want to say it's a safe take, but I think there's a lot of merit to a, what sounds like just a safe take. Like, eh, you don't really know because now do these big guys start to be okay mechanically maybe with rolling one over as opposed to trying to stay in through. I, I don't know. I don't know. Like just because they're that there's that hole now, because now how many of those big guys are going to start looking to push the ball to the third base side when that's available, as opposed to saying, look, if I just don't barrel this and I, and, and it's 96 off the bat <laughs> instead of one Oh nine, it's going to find a hole or it's, I don't know, 92 off the bat. Is it going to find a hole? To to use your numbers specifically, if it goes from five to ten, or do, I would be very surprised. That's a change to me that would be very noteworthy. That's why I, I think it's going. Yeah, if the number of left-handed hitters who hit three hundred doubles with the implementation of the defensive shift rules, I think that would be. Um, I'd be curious to know the specifics of why that happened, but for each player, but I think that would be a much higher number than I'm than I'm expecting. The other thing I'm interested in and this is kind of boring but it's like when you add rules you add layers of uh umpire and official interpretation of those rules too and I'm interested to see like to what degree pace of play so to speak gets bogged down by the kind of the refereeing of the defensive sh- the defensive shift rules and where teams can be and maybe it maybe that is a total non-issue and we get on the field and it's like it's very clear what's a violation and what's not. Teams aren't trying anything funny or borderline, et cetera. But you know, if if these umpires have to spend time kind of litigating this early on, I think that could be uh, that could be noteworthy as well. But I'm well, all for the pitch clock in terms of the other thing. I'm I'm ready for it. Like let's fucking go. Plenty of time to throw the baseball. Yeah, that's something yeah. that I I'm really really intrigued to see. Just because it's you see the younger guys that are okay with it. And then you see even them get impacted sometimes when it's a, you know, a tighter situation, a higher leverage spot. Sometimes you see that slowdown. So I, I'm, yeah, I'm with you. 
I know we've talked about like why the game is slowed down from a pitching perspective and every single pitch is being like an attempt at 100% in 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 execution in a way that maybe that wasn't the case in the 80, 70s, 80s and 90s and stuff like that and um but I I'm just kind of over watching a guy line up for the for the 3-1 or the 2-2 and take 30 seconds to deliver the baseball every single time. Like I'm just I I'm ready for some accountability on that regard because I do think like even if the even if the improvement on time of game or is measured in like a handful of minutes because of this, I do think it's going to have like a, a tangible impact on what it feels like to watch a baseball game in some respects for some players um you know kind of on the extreme. Oh, it's shaving 20 plus minutes off ball games, man. So. Which would be pretty impactful, yeah. I think. Um, that's real. I think that's just yeah. like, like w- the the intended shaving. Like, let's just say, let's use Dallas's number here. Twenty minutes. I don't think that shaving twenty minutes off the game length of a major league baseball game is going to be something that draws in new fans. But it is nice for existing baseball fans to have that <laughs> you know what i mean well, like, and also, i don't like, think that like someone that's not into baseball is gonna see 20 minutes off the average game length and be like you know what i'm gonna check this shit out but if you're uh if you're a baseball fan that say consumes 80 games a year maybe now that's 100 games it's like it's more consumable for you no doubt and i i just think it's I don't know how you can measure this necessarily, but I just think it's going to be a better viewing experience for the person who is maybe already tuning into a baseball game, as you said. Right. I, I don't, it's not baseball pitchers. Haven't always taken this long to deliver pitches. Like Mm -hmm. we, we don't, it's not corrupting the way the game has always been played. It's not fundamentally altering baseball. The way you could argue that them taking this long J is the corruption. Correct. And like it, I, I don't know of a better way to 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 regulate that or to try and curb that trend than to implement something hard like a pitch clock, which they've tested out and seems to have been tested out successfully. Um, and so that that's fine. If that gets us more back to kind of an equilibrium where the sport is incrementally more watchable, like, I think like that's you, a good thing. Um, you, and I don't at- think we're going to. I think in the vast majority, like 95% of the instances, you're going to forget the pitch clock is there. Yeah, well, that's the hope, right? Is that this is, and it's the idea of setting this tone in the lower levels is so that they're used to it, right? They get bitch slapped with this abrupt change and they've got to make the adjustment. And then by the time they get to the big leagues, it's something that they're used to, something that they're not too worried about. It is what it is. Their game is now built on that. So while there is a digital clock reflecting it, They've geared their internal clock to match that, right? So now they play the game at this rate. And that's what it looks like we're trying to do with all of this stuff is get back to a certain rate of speed at which the game is played, meaning actual physical play, but then the rate of production, the rate of offense, hence the the lack of shifting. So there's just everywhere you look, it's an effort to create movement, to set a tone and create movement within the game that has otherwise taken an air of stagnation uh, because of the true three outcome. I'm ready for it. I'm very interested in these rules. Um, How about the fucking 
Yeah. Pitch challenge. You like that guy? A little tappy tap. I could kind of give or take on challenges in general. Um, Come on. Come on. You're down one, I, two I, I in the bread aisle in Walmart, and I fucking paint one on the lower outside corner. You don't like it. You tap your I, head. You go build the butcher, and he gives you the he gives you the business. He's like, Jay, that shit was out, dude. You get another I one. I realize this bam, is like. You take me to dairy, and you're trotting around the fucking. Yeah, bases. I understand. I, I realize this is like regressive and maybe a little anti-technology, but my personal experience as a sports fan viewing the sport, like the NBA and the NFL who have implemented instant replay and challenge systems, you know, for years now, my personal viewing experience is that I don't like it. And I don't like wasting all this time sitting there and grinding out reviews and replays where goddamn the hit the, the the hit rate on being correct after reviewing the re, the replay can't be any higher than like 50 percent. like no, I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm talking about just it. the pitch challenges like i'm hey i'm with you on all the other bullshit with replay trust me buddy i'm with you i i want i i talk about 160 ball games a year i am with you on the replay i'm just specifically about the pitch challenge because that is not a major disruption of time at all that's totally up to the hitter and and nobody else and and that's that sure i mean i'm i'm open to see how it goes yeah okay. i mean i'm interested enough to see how it goes but if it slows down the game and we have to fucking litigate more stuff then i'm out are yeah, they doing that just, in the minors challenging yeah. pitches oh that's yeah what, yeah yeah you don't like like there's a clip look it up joe uh jason dominguez he actually i saw uh, that yeah yeah so that's what it is he's just like uh, that's down bip, bip, tap of the cap he steps out they replay it Yep, done deal. It was a ball. Fucking see ya. The reef. That's honestly love that. And it took seconds, man. Seconds. How many seconds? Uh, fifteen, maybe. No less. No, bro. not even, actually. Yeah, probably not even fifteen seconds. It's like a tap, and you look at the scoreboard. Oh, it's coming in. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, a little bit it of shows tension. It, it shows it on the scoreboard, and all the fans in house see it, and the call is made, and you keep going. Like that, and think about, think about what replay does in house in every arena, right? Hockey is a puck over the line, like just all that shit. Everybody's fuck. Ooh, so isn't that gonna take away from some of the excitement of striking guys out though? Like, if you just absolutely dot someone up, and then the umpire just fucking rings you, and then you get the so, the pitcher screaming coming off the mound, and but, then he's like, "Oh, I want to review that," and it's but, like, "Oh, it was a ball. Get back on the mound." And it's like, I just. Had a complete adrenaline dump after screaming yeah. coming yeah. off the mound. But now imagine if the punch out happens again. Great. But imagine if that punch out gets taken away and now the team that was down one run with a guy on third, the fucking homer comes. Imagine that eruption. Imagine what that's going to feel like. So while know. one yeah, experience I, is the dump, I'm all, the other experience is the high of highs. I would right love the back that. Of the dude, dragon, baby. The call right. Like, obviously, you want the call to be right. But I've said I've I've had this take for years and I'm I'm sticking to it. Part of what I love so much about the game of baseball is getting upset at calls that are egregiously wrong. <laughs> like like that that Sunday night baseball game. Yeah. It was a couple of years ago. Red Sox Yankees in the Bronx and Matt Barnes punched out some dude on a called strike three that was like three feet outside. Like the the enjoyment that I got from knowing that wasn't even close to being a strike, but then on the opposite end of that, 
Like when that happens to you, like there's something unifying in your fan base of being wronged and coming together as an angry mob because this umpire just unfairly took something away from you. I I don't know. Like to me, that's part of the fun of being a baseball fan is as unifying to to hate the umpire for getting a, a at least a ball or a strike. Like, well, safe I, out, safe out, fair foul. Like I'm all for like using replay to get that shit right. But balls and strikes, I'm all about see, the human that's, element. I really that's am. where people like. That's where people are like, you know what? I got this friend who always just he always corrects you if you're wrong. It doesn't matter. He can't let you just be a little bit wrong and let it slide. Like he's got to correct you every time. And it's like, all right, if we can all understand that that's his personality, well, then he's, you know, he's our friend and he's our asshole and and we can deal with it. It's okay. But that's what replay is in the game of baseball. Like we're here to tell you sometimes it's not right. Sometimes we fuck it up. And it's just like, if we can all agree that it's the same vibe to get hosed and we're all like, hey, look, we know that's going to happen. It's a possibility. Yeah. There is no mechanism to try to get it right after the fact. If we all can agree on that, then let's move forward and live under that pretense. But yeah. because just, we know, I just don't like the blue balls of it all. Like if you remember the uh, the final out of the division series in 2018, it's like Eduardo Nunez makes this great play going up the third baseline, throws out the runner at first base, and. Steve Pierce makes a great stretch to 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 record the out, but then they review. It's like that's that's the final out where you're supposed to dogpile, and it's like we got to pause to wait to see the review, and then it's like all right, now we can dogpile. It's just like I don't want to say it's anticlimactic, but and and I get you, you know for for bang bang plays at first base, especially a play that's about to end your season, you want to take a look at it, you want to get the call right, but. In the example well, that I just talked about coming off the mound, it's you just painted the corner and it's it, umpire rings you up, called strike three, but then they want to review it and it was like a centimeter outside. It's like ball. I don't know. I, I also think that there's an art to like now there's you have these guys that can frame pitches really well. Now, like that's like a useless skill to have uh, having having movement on your pitches. Well, you don't just have even, unlimited challenges. You don't just get to fucking keep sure. tapping your head up there like you're a goddamn sure. bobblehead. Like, but you, if you, you keep do that. if you keep doing it and you're right every time, I would imagine that you just retain the challenges just like in any other sport. But like there's just like a skill to like you're up there trying to deceive the hitter. Yeah, well now strike zone awareness the so, umpire. So there's a shift in value of skill or a shift in value of of trade, right? Because yeah. it was the catcher that we valued in your conversation. Now it's the strike zone awareness of the hitter that is going to be valued because if he can make that assessment on his own on the fly and is right fucking 85% of the time or 90% of the time, like you take value in that as opposed to having a guy who is right fucking twice out of the 36 times he's challenged pitches. It's like, buddy, you just stop it. Don't you don't fucking you have no strike zone awareness. What are you, what are you doing? Yeah. How about just rewarding the umpires that are really fucking good at their jobs instead of being like, oh, this guy's got more tenure, so we're going to put him in a huge fucking game because he's been yeah, around I, longer. Well, as uh, as the old guard changes, I think, uh, well, you would like to think that that's stuff that, that is going to happen. Yeah. Well, 
it's just interesting. It's interesting because it's like you want these old guys to die out in the sport so that they can be replaced by the younger guys. But by the time the old guys die out and then they're replaced by the younger guys, those younger guys are now like kind of old too. But but I mean, I'll, I'll say this. The 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 value, I, I hope it's appreciated by baseball fans, the value of the institutional knowledge of these older umpires. Like that, sure. like the, game, yeah, the yeah. game would not look the way it does and would not be ran as smoothly as it is on a night in, night out basis if these dudes didn't know what they know and wouldn't have learned it from whom they learned it from which is the old, old guard. So to your point, they they do, but that's all part of being seasoned, right? And that's all part of why it's so tough to get here to the big leagues as an umpire. You better have your shit in order. You better be dependable. We're going to find that out quickly. And sometimes, just sometimes, there's some folks that fucking slip through. But the majority of the time, <laughs> these individuals are, they're the best of the best, man. It doesn't get any better than these people. Yeah. Yeah, I think we should how much we need to find out how much it would cost and we should send Joe to umpiring school. Dude, I know how much it costs. A couple grand. I was going to say it costs like five grand. You go down to Florida, Florida or Arizona, right? Or is it just Florida? I think it's just Florida. It's no way. Like, it's like a month or a few weeks. People just go there for vacation every year. It's like the Marines. God. There's only two places you can go <laughs> to become yeah. a Marine. There's, there's like two. Like two you can go there's like two umpire. umpiring schools that you have to pass in order to be an umpire. You, and uh, you basically go to umpiring school for two weeks, and they grade you, and they teach you, and they like taking notes, and then you have to like finish the top of your class, and then if you do that, you go to the second round. And then you got to finish top of your class. And then if you do that, you get to be a minor league umpire and have a shit life uh, <laughs> for. <laughs> and then hopefully, you know, you keep moving your way up. And 15 years later, you can make the big leagues. Then you're set. Then you're set. You can't then get fired set. and you're perfect. Then you're making what? Like 250 grand a year? The big guys are making, I think, like 300, 400K a year at least. Yeah, yeah they make good money. Like good money. First class. It's a union. Good union. Yeah, good Pension. union job. Uh, how many weeks does it take to complete the course, Joe? I believe it's two or three, maybe a month. Yes. Oh, all right. All right. So me and Dallas are going to crowdsource uh, some funds to put you through umpiring school. Are you Are you willing to participate? If we're going to, if we're going to, put our we'll have, money we'll even we'll even money. pay. Uh, yeah, we'll even pay for Bay to come out and visit. Yeah, yeah, I'm can't, down. Can't do that. But I'm saying if I make <laughs> yeah, it through and I win the competition, I'm not coming back on the pod. I'm going to the minor leagues. No, absolutely. No, 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 no. no, no you no, would no, have bitch. to you're, still you're do the, yeah, your the podcasting. You just got another job now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's not going to fly. They wouldn't let Jay Hay fucking <laughs> get on the pod. Like, what do you think they're going to let a minor, a minor league umpire or major league umpire be on baseball is dead? Yeah, fuck out yeah. of here, dude. <laughs> fuck out of here. It, it's a it's a completely different union. It's not the it's not the league. It's not the yeah. players' union. And we're, like and it's we're the a umpires' entity. Union. We're a different yeah. entity, buddy. Once yeah. you once you enter that clan, dude, you're in the clan, and you gotta be allegiant to the shield. I don't know. It's like being in the police. Being an umpire is like being a <laughs> being a cop. Like you gotta be full the time. This is the there's MLB, definitely not the NFL. I guarantee you that there's police podcasts. They get to go on cops. 
dude, there's a reason why Joe West didn't have a podcast while he was umpiring. And the second he, was, he got out, he made one. Like that's yeah, not because he work. was a fuck. He was recording country albums and being a big league umpire. And I'm sure you he, are being a minor yeah. league umpire and a podcaster and, and a YouTuber. And it sounds like you're being a lazy one of all three of those. If you can't just do all three of those, yeah. They wouldn't yeah, let yeah. me do. I got to put all my, dude, you can't just yeah. half ass it. It's a lot of responsibility being in charge of the game. Don't, don't I agree, them, but no one's making you a crew rings. chief right away. Also, you would have to think, right, that the umpires union is, I, I don't think that there's a ton of young people lining up to try and live that life right now. Like no. everyone wants to be a fucking YouTuber and a TikToker these days. Like if you're a baseball That's fan, a great question. What is you're the competition? Not, yeah, like Level. I feel like the the field must be like they're probably out there recruiting. I don't think that they've got people just lining up to do this. It's they're gonna have to bring back the draft. No, it's fu- it's <laughs> competitive. I did a video on this. Dude, the the odds of being a major league umpire through the umpiring school is like the same as getting drafted and making the major leagues. It's like just that's as- what they that's what they tell you because they want you to feel like it, you just did something really hard <laughs> so that you take it super serious when you're doing yeah. it. But there's like no I way told it's you. that hard. Much like baseball, Joe, sometimes, like me, <laughs> just some random asshole makes it through. All right? <laughs> so but you got that, a chance. The thing, the difference is, is once you become a major league umpire, you're there forever. And like major leaguers are just getting replaced every week. You know, there's only like two or oh, three opening positions well, a year. We also need to establish something. Uh, I, I'm going to absolutely need 10% of the salary uh, at the big league level. Like, I'm like, it's kind of like an agent. Welcome to baseball, Joe. We As invested agent, in you. Yeah, we invested yeah. in you. But I don't want anything from you your first years in the minor leagues. I don't want anything from you your first three years in the big leagues. Not until we start talking contracts, Joe. Do I yeah. do I need to feel like uh, you're in a position to start compensating us for our investment? Because I, I know I can wait that long because I know it's coming. You know what I mean? Like I'm, yeah. The confidence is there. So, Amen. But just want to get that out on the table. If you get me through those doors, give me the opportunity of a lifetime, like, yeah, I'll give you any, I'll do anything. <laughs> You're I'll give anything. We yeah, want 10% be- each for funding you to get to the big leagues. It's just the cost of doing business. Yeah. <laughs> this is gonna be that's great. the attitude I want to hear. It's, that's fucking, fucking <laughs> right. That's I need you to start, uh, I'm going to start having carrots shipped to your house, all right? I need you yeah. to just start eating carrots. Uh, mm-hmm. Load is that a myth? Is that true? Those eyeballs. No, it's very true. Very true. How and, do you uh, know? fish oils. How do you know? What are you talking about? I got a degree How do you in know? Eastern medicine. No, you don't. No, I don't. Not even close. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> Jay, hey, yes or no? Does eating carrots make your eyesight better at nighttime? Is that like a proven scientific factor? Is that like a... That's like I think that's more of one of those old wives' tales sorts of things. Uh, yeah. Also, yeah, Dallas has got a degree in medicine for sure. I'm not sure... <laughs> Eastern, Western. I'm not fucking sure where it's from, but yeah, I mean, it's been it's been grown on all seven continents. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I was gonna. (laughs) It's it's worldly. Western for you, I guess. Uh, (laughs) Uh, The Stockton Institute of Medicine, bro. (laughs) Very prestigious. Herbs. What else? Uh, what else have you been stewing on in your downtime oh, for the last two and a half? Yeah, years? speaking of since the last time, I, I missed like so. Shout out the White Sox rain in the uh, AL Central. I missed that entire thing. Um, <laughs> in just the time I was gone on the podcast, that 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 half decade run they were setting up for went by in the oh. blink of an eye. It only felt like one or two seasons. I don't know what happened. Um, but the the Guardians who are 
loosely trying to win baseball games in any given year. Uh, Come on. Just like hey. fucking bruised right on past. Uh, <laughs> tough scene. Tough scene. Yeah. No, let's um, let's let's talk about it because since we've last convened, there's been a name change, right? Yeah. Yeah. The name change of the organization and you have you're alive. You were here when the guards made their largest financial commitment ever to a player mm. wearing the famed guardian's name across their chest. So, I mean, they're showing love. They're committing to the players. I remember there being a point in time where you were on the fence about whether uh, or not I'm you could continue. I, I, I'm not retracting even a little bit of what I said. In fact, <laughs> it's only become more true oh, about no. the way the Guardians operate since I left. The oh, only no. reason. I, I couldn't be happier that Joe Ram is signed up for the long haul in Cleveland. The only reason that happened is because he was willing to take like a 50% discount to do so. Um, <laughs> he left like $150 million on the table. Uh, and ba- and that's probably conservative based off some of the contracts that we saw for, you know, I would say equal or slightly lesser players this offseason. Um, it's great that they've got him. I'm super surprised it happened. I'm going to enjoy every second that he remains on the Guardians. Uh, but the idea that it was Cleveland investing in him instead of basically Ramirez doing the Guardians a favor, that's really more what it was. Um, but yeah, what their was, player what development, was, their player development and their, and their like both at the minor and major league level is so good that they can't help but win the division. That's basically where <laughs> things stand in the AL Central right now. Um, what, what, was, what was his the, deal for again? I, I want to say it was like 168 was, or something like that. Yeah, I was going to say like five and 150 or something, six and one six. Like it was given that we saw, you know, decade long contracts for $300 million for players that are right at his caliber of, of, ass, of, of player asset on mm-hmm. field, whatever. Uh, you know, he left a huge amount of money on the table. You think Uncle Stevie Cohen is right? Uncle Stevie Cohen makes a phone call to him, uh, knowing he obviously can play third base. Um, do you think? Uh, five yeah, I don't know. One twenty-four. Five one twenty-four. You said. Yeah. It's, oh my but god! It's really? Seven seven one forty-one. Yeah, on top of what he already had. So there you go. I mean, that's that's that's, a, that's an incredibly ridiculous. large discount. Like yeah. when you Google uh, Guardian sign Jose Ramirez, the first thing that comes up is why did Jose Ramirez sign with Cleveland? <laughs> like, it's not even like what did he sign for? It's why did he sign for that? I mean, my understanding is that he legitimately really likes it there. He is invested in the community. He's his family is there now. Uh, I'm not criticizing him. He is free to do whatever he'd like. I, I as a person who likes the Guardians to do well, like I'm glad he's there. It's just for sure. It's just not a case of Cleveland changing the way they do business at all. Um, well, no, it just makes me wonder, you know, where he would have been in the conversation. Oh, I think he would have been front. Yeah. During this, you know what I mean? Like during this shortstop sure. bonanza, the the shortstop market that was so readily available. I know that he's, you know, probably not likely to make a transition into one of those spots, but a lot of the conversation was about maybe some of the willingness for some of those shortstops to potentially yeah. undergo a position change. 
So if that's the conversation, wasn't he a natural second baseman? Yeah. Uh huh. Like there's so, like look at all the different shortstops that that like Carlos Correa was going to move to third base for the Mets. Well, right. You but got the idea, fucking Marcus Simeon moving to second base for the Rangers. The Xander Bogarts, is, I have no idea what the fuck he's going to do in San Diego. They've got five different shortstops. You also have like, to remember the shift, the shift, the shift. I don't know how big yeah, of a sure. deal that is in in the conversation these days. But hey, you know, like like I said, the responsibilities of all the infield positions are <clears throat> no pun intended, but God, I'm a wordsmith. Starting to shift back to what they once were and there's just some inherent responsibility that comes with certain positions in the infield that isn't there in other spots so if you're asking about that position change there's got to be a willingness there but the whole point of this Everyone's conversation willing. what's that? trevor story trevor story moving to second base for the red sox yeah like a ton of shortstops are like oh position change what are you what are you saying oh 280 fucking million dollars 300 Done. million dollars. Like, Done. yeah i'll play right field <laughs> yeah yeah, no, I, when's the last time that you saw a premier uh, position player refuse to change positions when they were we were talking about the the hundreds of millions of dollars? Mm-hmm. Like A Rod did it for the fucking for the New York Yankees, and the dude was clearly the better shortstop. Yep, yep. But what I do like about what Jay Hay said is um, he's got his family there, he's invested in the community, and. I have a lot of respect for, and, and I get it. Like maybe there's, and and it's for for him the number in his head. He's already hit, right? What do I need to make life okay for me? To make life okay for my family and our family in the future. And I know some might say, well, what if you told him that all of that that he has right now, we could double that, and he chose not to. Is it okay to call that a bad business decision? Sounds like point- Joey's type of player. Yeah, that's honestly <laughs> like, awesome. A fuck, fuck my family type guy. No, yeah, so- dude, that's what I'm saying. He has a family. Family's there. You can't have family and be married, but it's like you got to <laughs> play for cheap. You know, <laughs> that's and that's why the, the breaking news, breaking yeah. news this week, Acuna getting engaged. I'm f- I'm allowing it because he did the same thing. Jose Ramirez did. They signed for less. And, and honestly, less. like, we don't need to get in the weeds on the contract stuff, but like, the the key difference, I think, for between Joe Ram and Acuna's deals, like, you know, Acuna's deals, like, a, a, a team bargain on a level that, you know, it's hard to even fathom sometimes. Uh, they got him and Albies on the deals that they did, but like, those guys hadn't banked really any money at the major league level. And to Dallas's opinion, like, or to Dallas's point, like, Joe Ram's previous contract, also super team friendly. Also, like at the time it was signed, one of the best quote unquote contract player asset groupings like in the league. But he'd already made like 30 or 40 million dollars through that. So like I maybe that made him a little bit more inclined to take that second discount because um, as Dallas said, like he's already got more money than maybe he had hoped to to get or had entered expecting to get. But yeah, and that's real. That like that's life. that's real. Guys operate like that. Like you don't you know, there's relievers who have made a nice chunk of change. There's starters who make great money who are like, you know what? Like the deal, the money here, like I'm good. I'm good. I'm already in a spot where things were great. I just want to keep playing ball. I want to win. So if a winning team is willing to pay me money to play for them and I like where I'm at, like I don't need to try to go to the market and go through the hoops to maybe get another six or seven mil. I'm cool with what I've got here now. That's that's real. Can can I hop around a little bit? Please do. You guys can react to what you think is interesting. 
one of the things I was thinking about when the during the 2022 World Series and like you know Verlander's kind of back and forth with postseason success and like total lack of it when it came to the World Series round specifically is like part of what makes baseball so cool and complicated and legacy so interesting is like it's not just Kershaw into like the three greatest pitchers all inner circle guys the clear greatest pitchers of their generation in Kershaw Verlander and Scherzer like all have super complicated postseason legacies and all have won right like they've all got the world series none of them can be considered like an outright loser but like their their performance just doesn't match with the regular season in a way that you would expect from maybe an all-time great and then you go back and look at some of the other all-time greats from previous eras and it's like well Greg Maddox wasn't exactly like some complete lights out dominant force in the postseason like in his sample and you know Randy Johnson obviously hit his stride in the postseason in Arizona, but like yeah. wasn't from the word go like a dominant postseason force necessarily. And like, you know, Randy Roger Johnson had a has some long stretch of sucking in the playoffs. What's Up that? until Arizona, Randy Johnson had like, yeah, like, like nine and, straight postseason appearances where he was dog shit. And I, I, got, I don't really have a point other than like. Well, I think I think that can be attributed to and this is this is my opinion. And I make this comparison with quarterbacks in the NFL and how they prepare and the reason that there's such a separation between guys like Peyton Manning when he was playing and Tom Brady, because that fucker's still playing, is the way that they prepare week in, week out. There's just no comparison to the next guy. They are far and above, for whatever reason, more diligent and more efficient in their studies because that has been proven over the course of their career, right? Their ability to check, their ability to read, their fucking, they're seven series ahead of the defensive coordinator up there. They're not just a play or two ahead. They are light years ahead. But when we all have the same amount of time to prepare for the same game, that window closes a bit. That gap closes a touch because now we're all preparing, hopefully, or essentially within the same time frame at the same rate, at the same level. Yeah. So what you're looking for, what I'm looking for, we've got time to unearth those things. Get to the playoffs in the baseball world, your at-bats, just like the ninth inning, change. Your at-bats, the approach offensively changes in the postseason. And so now everybody's locked in, completely locked in. This isn't a fucking at-bat in May. This is October and fucking November. We are locked the fuck in. So. The best guy on the bump, even with his dominant shit, there's just a different approach against him now, and that's why you got to see his game rise, and you got to see the bats rise. And when you see a dominant performance over a postseason like Mad Bum, like that, that's just that's where legends are made. Is shit like that? Yeah. That's why, that's why I have so much, despite despite not loving him as a person. Why I have so much respect for Josh Beckett. Yeah. Dude just was, uh, hey, it's October. F- time to fucking absolutely throttle some some assholes out there. And he did. That He did. That Madison Bumgarner run was like as close as I recall to like a, a singular person carrying a baseball team 
Because like well, it just that's not the way the sport works generally, right? right? And it was well, just, it was like CC's. It was like CC doing what he did in Milwaukee the down the stretch, yeah. but not in the right. postseason. To get, like basically in the World Series in the LC, right? You know what I mean? Right. Like it was even higher leverage. Um, oh my god! More eyes on you. Uh, can I? I miss so. I feel like I feel like I miss so much stuff this off season. <laughs> not just in past seasons, but like this off season as a as a bystander, like. If you guys disagree, I guess that's fine. But like to me, it felt like the best offseason for baseball content and signings and tracking that sort of stuff that we've had in at least half a decade, if not longer. Like it felt old school in that regard, like where the winter meetings kind of kind of mattered um, and like things came out of that situation and big stars were signing for big money and um, just a lot of cool shit happened. Oh, it was in, it was incredible. I mean, just the uh, the, the shortstop. Bonanza, as I referred to it earlier, like watching, you know, watching those those moves get made. Like, I mean, Jay, I wish, I wish you could have been here <laughs> to watch Xander Bogarts become a San Diego Padre. Um, it just, you know, things like that are not things you see coming. I would love, no. to, like, love to get your take uh, on I'll, that. Can because, I chime in? Can like I when chime you have in an organization this? completely turn their something back I say. on a star player, like I can love I to hear something? your thoughts on that, and then to watch I another, just, another team that I cares a lot about the future of their organization opinion. go and pluck I just star players like that from an abusive, what was clearly an, an abusive relationship. Yeah, I want to say something about this real quick. Um, so while while you've been gone, Jay Hay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> There is not a single recognizable name left on the Oakland A's. So when you were here, when you were here, the Oakland A's were playing in wild card games. They were contending for division titles. I watched a no hitter with you guys in Oakland. Yeah, we we saw Sean Manaya, no hit, eventual World Series champion Boston Red Sox. Yeah, lowly Red Sox. Uh, So now it's kind of like. Like when Dallas makes these little chirps, I I I just feel bad. It's kind of like just, well, uh, we're just talking ball. Like like you know, ball. like say if uh, you know, like as like I could have started with Trey Turner. You get in like a little play fight with your adolescent child, and like you just you pretend it hurts, and you're like, oh, you beat me up. Like that's that's what I have to do now to Dallas, just so I don't hurt his confidence. Well, that's why because I- it's just I mean nothing that he could ever say, given the state of. I mean, I don't think that a, a, a baseball franchise has ever been uh, in a worse spot than the Oakland A's are in right uh, now. Not true, not so when true. he tries not to course. say these things about the Red Sox, they don't hurt. Like, but I got to I got to like for the I mean, it's content. We're, do, we're doing a show. We're trying to entertain people. So I got to be like, ah. Well, that's why I was. That's why. That's why I was so pleased when Dallas started the, the podcast with about uh, the fantasy team success. Because it's really good to know that like the A's parent organization has like another wave of talent coming like through the pipeline, and that there might wow. be like that's completely unnecessary. Yeah. That's no, a fucking I mean, dick move. You didn't. That's no, it's good. I mean, it's great. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you know uh, great whoever your standout player. Yeah, no trade bait well, for, hey, for sure. For Ryan Blanchett. <laughs> yeah, for uh, eighty-two from the right side. I mean that fantasy stand out. If I was Ryan Blanchett, I would fucking pack my bags right now, because um, <laughs> that <laughs> that guy is a prime candidate to go to a team like uh, uh, you guys. Are, I don't know one is, of the major league ones. This um, is already overkill. This is already overkill. 
You, you both no, it's good stuff. Um, <laughs> I, I I do have a take on that shortstop stuff. By the way, I think it was. Yes. I, I wrote down some moves I liked and moves I di- didn't like as much from the off season. Um, with some nugs, I'll mm. go try and go as quickly as I can. But the Xander Bogarts, Trey Turner stuff, like I loved both of those signings for those teams, mostly because it's teams that want to be good trying to get better, and I think that's always a great thing. Uh, that not every major league baseball team tries to employ. Uh, the Padres have increased their spending for three straight seasons. They've reached re- franchise record payrolls for three straight years. Love that. And yeah, I, it's like I don't really care about the Padres, but the fact they, that they've collected a uh, you know an awesome batch of talent, and that you know I I think when you have Tatis and you have like. Soto and some of these other guys. I think Xander's a great fit there because he's like such a metronome of production and consistency from year to year. Um, you know, you look at his whatever you whatever stat you want to use, OPS plus, like weighted runs created. Like you look at that and it's it's barely budged over the last five years from season to season. Um, so hot little pickup there. <clears throat> One of the ones I didn't like that I'll talk about like in a second was Degrom. But part of the reason I didn't like that is because I don't feel like the rest of the Rangers roster is like their pitching needs help, but it just feels like it's such a significant investment for a team that like still needs to gain like 10 games to get to 500. And yeah, there's such a lack of quantity on that roster as well, as well as quality that like getting a guy like Jacob deGrom, who's always going to give you quality, but not necessarily quantity. I'm just not convinced that like, so the Trey Turner signing for Philly. Philly has $103 million committed to Harper, Turner, Wheeler, and Real Muto um, in this upcoming season. That's the exact same amount of money that the Rangers have to DeGrom, Simeon, Seager, Semyon, and Andrew yeah. Heaney. Um, and like that's just not the same caliber of core. No. And I think the Phillies have done an outstanding job like putting together these contracts that all of those are between 23 and 27, and they're all for like legitimate star level or top of position level players. Um, and it's just kind of crazy how quickly the Phillies have gone from like, is are they going to waste all of Harper's prime? Like, is this signing just going to be a lot of noise and like not really any any excitement or any real year-to-year competition? And, the, and all of a sudden they're in the World Series and like Zach Wheeler's and uh, Cy Young candidate and Trey, they just signed Trey Turner and Real Muto's like, the rock of of the offense. So it's I thought those were really encouraging to see. And like from a subjective perspective, the Philly crowd during the postseason was one of the things that stood out to me most. And those home games were just fucking rocking, man. And oh, man. it was so cool to see that again after like a decade of not having it. Um that to see them kind of like, yeah, we've spent and we're serious about winning and we went to the World Series and almost won the World Series, but like we're we're not done yet. And we have another like you know, down ballot MVP candidate to add to this team, I think was was super cool and encouraging to see. Um, so, uh, love what the Blue Jays did. Go get them! Like I just like Dalton Varsho and Brandon Belt. Like not nearly as sexy as you know some of the moves that other teams made, but they were a predominantly right-handed lineup. Uh, they went and got two guys who can hit from the left-hand side. Like I know Brandon Belt sucked last year and was injured and all that, and he's getting older. But we're talking about a guy who had like a nine-season run where you know he slashed two sixty-five, three sixty-one, four seventy-two. Like Brandon Belt 
has been a really good un- player who has been underrated on a yearly basis because of you know the the kind of harsh offensive environment that he plays in for a left-handed fly ball kind of guy and uh, it would not surprise me if the Blue Jays got a really solid season for whatever the nine and a half million dollars that they're paying them. Um, and then well, Farshaw was like fucking awesome last year. And yeah, I know they gave up, you know, like a high end prospect in Moreno to go get him. But the Blue Jays are trying to win baseball games now. Like he played legitimate innings at four different positions last year, all three outfield and catcher. Like he, depending on what defensive metric you want to use, he was either really good or fucking elite defensively um mm-hmm. like the stack cast metric had him as like one of the top five defensive players in baseball so like i don't know i i just like th- those are incremental improvements for me for well and, look, and think about like the jays like, dude jay the jays are one of my the jays are one of my favorite teams i think going into the into this next season and it's because the offense is still capable still very very capable with names in that lineup They've gotten, I mean, is it fair to say that maybe they've gotten a little better defensively as well with the addition of our show and you got, they got Kiermaier out there. Um, I still hate, I still hate the, uh, uh, Teoscar Hernandez trade. Yeah. I like, he was a big part of, he was a guy who, like, I think, I think he ate in that lineup because of who else was around him. Right. He was like the, he was like the Nelly Cruz of the early, like 2010, 2011 Texas Rangers teams. Well, yeah, you're surrounded by enough guys where, like, you can you can be the type of dude you are. You don't have necessarily all the pressure, and you got guys that can put the ball in play. You're going to have opportunities to drive guys in. Um, and then obviously adding Bassett. I said this about Barrios. I don't think that, I don't think that you can expect that kind of season again from him. Um, so I'd like to think that there's going to be improvement there. Uh. Kikuchi, maybe there's a little, eh, maybe he doesn't finish the season of Blue Jay. I don't know, um, but yeah, I, I I I like I like where the Jays are, at. and the Jordan uh, Romano the pod- entrance there is fucking phenomenal. What was the podcast take on the Verlander to the Mets thing? Because like I I couldn't have envisioned a better bounce back from losing Jacob Degrom than signing Justin Verlander to a deal that pays him ninety eight million dollars less. And his three years, like from a team perspective, obviously, and three years shorter term, like to me, like I know, obviously, you sign like a basically a 40 year old pitcher. There's a level of risk there that's just kind of built in. But on a two year pact for a guy who, like, well, maybe he doesn't post a 175 ERA again, but there, there wasn't anything about his numbers that suggested that the, the end is near. No. Um, <laughs> and he could gain a run of ERA and still be like well worth forty million dollars a year. Like, you know, no loss of velo. Um, you know, I think no metrically everything's guys, there. Yeah, you see some of these guys who like as they advance down their career and they want to keep the strikeouts intact. Like they lean super heavily into sliders. Like we've seen that both from relievers and starters, where you see guys that are like all of a sudden pumping forty percent sliders and striking out you know, 10% more batters than they did the previous season. Verlander's not really doing that. Like he's, he's still shoving the heater up your ass. Yeah, he's still got that he's still got that fastball. And I don't know. I feel like that was to me, that might be my single favorite signing of the offseason, just given like how much less exposed it feels like they are than, you know, a, a five year, 
180 whatever million dollar pack for Jacob deGrom um, that, you know, it's tough to talk that game that Steve Cohen and the Mets were talking in terms of spending and then not and then see DeGrom leave, but to know that it was backed up by plopping down, you know, almost $45 million a year for, for Justin Verlander. And then there's like the soft factor of the, the idea that you have Verlander and Scherzer, like two inner circle Hall of Fame guys kind of at the end, but still super awesome at the top of a rotation. Like, I don't know. That's kind of cool from a baseball and baseball history fan perspective. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Do you think uh, the Mets are a better team now than they were at the end of the year? Not, not really. No, um, it's hard not to feel the sting of that. The Carlos Correa, what if? Um, oh, I mean, Jay. Hey. Like, I think it was a successful offseason overall for the Mets. Like, I feel like they can not be any better and have it be a little disappointing with the way that it played out, while also still being pretty successful. Because you know, Diaz could have gotten away. They could have replaced Degrom with somebody a lot less impressive than Justin Verlander. They got they brought Brandon Nimmo back, regardless of what you think about, you know, eight years and 160 million or whatever for Brandon Nimmo. Like he makes that team better. Um, I think they're roughly the same team that they were to start last season. I think Quintana is a nice replacement for Ty for Ty Walker. Um, but you know, it did feel like the Correa move was the one that kind of put them over the top in terms of the offseason. And to 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 not have that I'm not a doctor, obviously. Can't look at the medicals, but that feels that feels tough. It's tough to get teased like that, I guess. <clears throat> Do you guys think they're better? Or I think that they for for a team that took a couple of blows, like having Carlos Correa than not having Carlos Correa. Having Jacob DeGrom than not having Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. I think that they have done a I don't want to say adequate. Maybe I'll even say above average job of, I would say, wearing two flesh wounds and still walking out of the hospital. Like, I, th- yeah. I think that they're like most teams cannot lose Jacob deGrom and Carlos Correa in the same offseason and come away from it like, hey, we're still going to contend for a World Series. And I feel like the Mets are still in that spot. I think what makes it interesting is that it's a more complicated offseason in terms of successes or whatever than either of the teams they're competing against in the division. Like the Braves had a straightforward, like very successful offseason, I would say. You know, the contract extensions, the Sean Murphy acquisition and extension, like the Braves continued doing what they're what they do, lock up their young core, and they got better by importing another piece that fits along that timeline uh, in Murphy. And the Phillies just went out and were like, we're going to sign Trey Turner for $300 million and he just makes our team better. And we're not really losing anybody of significance um, that, that he has to replace. And for the Mets, it's as you said, it's kind of like a give and take. It's a, it's a, it's a drop and add sort of situation. And it's, it's kind of a little bit more of an eye of the beholder, um, you know, which players do you prefer sort of thing. So I do think that plays into kind of the the two sides of the Mets offseason or how it's perceived. Jose Abreu to the Astros. Quick. Big one. Love that. I mean, I've, in terms of player to team, like, I think, I think we're all on the same page probably that 2020, like, Jose Abreu in a normal season is probably not an MVP and very good player, but not an MVP and that that always overstated, like, how, how good he is. 
But I also think like we've gone too far in the other direction a little bit. And that his lack of homers from last year, like he only hit 15 in like 400 more plate appearances than he had in tw- like he, he just didn't hit the ball out. But I think that obscured the fact that in a lot of ways he was as good or better of an offensive player than he was in 21. So like what looks like a powder outage or a player who's on a clear cut decline, like I'm not totally convinced that's where it is. Like his K rate was like he'd, he'd never strike out less than he did last season. His, you know, Woba weighted runs created plus, like both of those were up for t- from 2021. And you put him in a situation where there's no question that he's going to get better coaching with the, with the Astros than whatever he was receiving with the White Sox over the last few years. And it's not to say that a 36 year old man needs a ton of coaching, but like if we're dealing with maybe a little bit of a loss of bat speed or like can't hit a particular pitch quite as well as he used to, like I, I have more faith that 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 decline is going to be stemmed in Houston than I would if he had stayed in Chicago. So I, I'm and, and for what they need him to be and at the price they're paying, like it's less than $20 million a year. That's just not that much in today's game. I think it was a great. No, the qualifying offers damn near $19 million. Right. Like the Cubs are paying Cody Bellinger. Granted, it's one year. The Cubs are paying Cody Bellinger the same on a yearly basis that the Astros will pay. Jose Abreu this year, um, and Cody Bellinger fucking sucks, um, <laughs> like so so Jesus. bad. He's on my other he's on my other list, but um, real bad, oh. real bad. I mean, it yeah, seems like no, it might you, be breaking news, but no, he's no. he is really bad. Um, <laughs> uh, so there's that. We can just get to the bad stuff, I guess. Then, because it's Cubs are front and center. Let's start with the man that I think really? we all know is going to be on this list, and that's the signing of Eric Hosmer. Um, oh God! <laughs> what in the world is happening there? <laughs> what Dallas? I'm so glad. I, I'm so glad we have you on the I podcast. Um, let me ask you a question because the last time you and I talked about Eric Hosmer, one of the things that you touted was <laughs> his leadership qualities um, and what he, the tone that he was bringing to the San Diego Padres clubhouse and since then really all that's happened is that he's got to be unplayably bad they they were like publicly trying to get him out of san diego like desperately were like we will give you anything to take this guy um and then he was then he was traded the red Sox. he was terrible with them too wasn't resigned and then signed like some completely non-entity offer with the cubs this offseason so like the price of leadership seems to be going down it was like $20 million a year when he was with the Padres, and now it's like $1 million a year. And I'm wondering, do you think that's just like a market correction, or do you think maybe that you were full of shit? Uh, no, I think, it's, I think it's fair to say that there's been a shift in value, and there, uh, we've been seeing the decline in the appreciation of veteran yeah. presence for a long yeah. time in this game, Jay. And I think- the Padres seem to be doing okay once they kicked him to the curve. They got like better, I think. Um, yeah, they did. It's yeah. just, uh, uh, yeah, we're watching that rapid degradation occur right before, right before our very eyes. So, you know, so few few nugs on Eric Hosmer. Um, they don't have to spend a ton of time here if you don't <laughs> if you don't need to. Um, there have been 112 players to have at least 2,000 plate appearances over the last five years. He ranks 111th in in wins above replacement, so that's second to last. Um, for context on how much 0.3 wins above replacement over five seasons is, um, Andrew McCutcheon 
who I, you know, we're all happy he's back with the Pirates. He's back. Yay. I can't scream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Raise it. Raise it. Um, that and and here and therein marks the Pirates' season highlight. Um, <laughs> Andrew fuck? McCutcheon had zero point three F four just last season when he was no. <laughs> I'm taking um, this segment off of personally. Season, he got it in one season what Hosmer has taken five to get. Um, a little bit more context. There were four batters who got 0.3 F4 on the final day of the season last year. <laughs> one day. <laughs> Hosmer has taken five years to get that amount. Five seasons of regular playing time, by the way. Not some bit character. These teams have kept trotting his ass out there every year for like 600 plate appearances. And he's just a... <laughs> Just an ass, just no contributions at all. So Eric Hosmer to the Cubs, and then Cody Bellinger to the Cubs, also bad. Less of a personal vendetta situation there, and more of just the fact that he's no good. 193, 256, 355 is his slash line. Over 900 plate appearances exactly since the start of 21. Of the 151 players who have gotten 900 plate appearances over that span, he's the worst offensive player by a mile. The second worst is Miles Straw, who is only offensive in a theoretical sense, right? Like he's, he plays an elite center field for Cleveland and they sort of let him bat. Cody Bellinger is supposed to be an offensive player. 69 weighted runs created plus Miles Straw, 81. Um, Jay, the guards first team, first team to not have a center fielder hit a home run. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm no Miles Straw fan. Uh, I'd like them to upgrade that spot, but he's been a better offensive player than Cody Bellinger. And here's here's what's sad is like these aren't moves to me that the Chicago Cubs Need to be should made. be making. No. Like I know they signed Dansby Swanson. That's the sort of move that the Chicago Cubs should be making. It should be more of that kind of stuff. And the fact that like we're not that removed from them being not only World Series champions but supposedly but lined up for. An extended run of, listen, you can't predict World Series wins, but like an extended run of relevance, borderline greatness, certainly NL Central contention. And like that seems so far in the rearview mirror. And the fact that they're in what year three or four of the rebuild and we're still in the phase of like taking a flyer on Cody Bellinger for $18 million or signing Eric Hosmer for whatever they're paying him, like. It just feels like we should be past that and that they're, they're an organization whose standard should be higher than that for their offseason. Um, and that's why their moves I don't like. Correct me if uh, I'm wrong. I, I thought I saw somewhere that the Chicago Cubs have added more war than any other team in baseball this offseason. Do you, know, do you know how low the bar is for... <laughs> Like that, I, I mean, honestly, I know it's not, I know your stat probably isn't relative to what they had. So I'm being a little bit unfair, but like that roster at the end of last season was shockingly bad for how deep into this rebuild they are. Like there's just almost nothing there um, offensively. It's bad. I bet they'll not be better, but like <clears throat> not because of those two, I don't think. Um, yeah, the DeGrom thing, I don't know. G- great pitcher, obviously. Nobody on this podcast who's listening needs me to say that, but it just feels like the Rangers are too far away for this sort of like expenditure. It, it just feels like a luxury item for a team that would be closer to contention than the Rangers are. Um, and I know they, I, I, 
I praised them for spending, you know, the Seeger and Semyon deals from last offseason. That was a lot of money. This is a lot of money, but it just feels premature and like they're trying to jumpstart something that's that's not ready to be jump started. Like they have $92 million committed to DeGrom, Seeger, and Semyon, and they have 155 committed to those three, plus Perez, Ivaldi, Gray, and Heaney. Like they're already seventh in Major League Baseball on payroll. Like that's the other concern is like they still need to add a lot to this team. And unless you're projecting like really A plus internal growth development from all of their young players that are and maybe that happens, but like so that's kind of what needs to happen. Yeah, Jay, hey, just just I mean, how much money committed again to those players uh-huh. for next year? Just for next year. So to the big three, 91.5. To the big three plus basically the rest of their starting rotation, which is Martin Perez, Nate Ivaldi, Jonathan Gray, and Heaney, mm-hmm. $155 million. And they won eight more games than the A's did. Yeah. <laughs> like they were better with Seager and Semyon, but not better enough. And no, when you're talking about that kind of money, I'm going to need to see, if I'm the Rangers, I'm going to need to see a bigger gap between me and the last place team in the division. Yeah, and it's, and it's sort of unfair to blame Seager and Simeon for this because like, they were some of the best players on the team. It's more about the other players than it mm-hmm. is about those guys. But sure. how, how much more upward payroll trajectory like, or, or room did the Rangers have to, to add to this core that's already like, I mean, it's definitely behind the Astros. It's almost certainly well, behind the Mariners. I'll tell you this. Um, they feel like they've got an impact third baseman coming or here, I should say. I, I, I get it. And young point, it, it, former Texas Tech Red Raider. It feels like he has to be, he has to be impact like sooner yeah, rather than for later sure. for this, yep. for this plan to work. Because if you wait two or three years, what, what exactly are Corey Seager Marcus Semien and Jacob Degrom in two or three years, like where who are they? Yeah, who are they are holding all, the door for? Right, like those guys are all ready to win right now. In theory, mm-hmm. yep. Twenty fourth in innings pitched by starting pitchers last year. Yeah, not great, they, and they, uh, yeah, not afraid to give up the long ball. Um, and then the other one I didn't like that I had written down was Clevenger to the White Sox. Um, I just feel like we're. we're He's not the pitcher that he was, and everything about watching Mike Clevenger and looking at the stats and stuff like that doesn't lead me to believe that he's a guy who is going to be making um, the adjustments necessary to be a different kind of successful pitcher. Like he's lost, he's gone from 34% to 19% strikeout rate in two years. Um, and his fastball, I'm looking at a guy whose fastball velocity is down almost two miles an hour from two seasons ago. Like, I, mm-hmm. Yes, yes, injuries, but like that's what happens with injuries, right? Like they they do Dallas, you've told us many times like they do sap some of your ability to bounce back after a while and you can't get to the same velocity and you can like Clev has never been a guy who's been like a high pitchability guy to me. Well, injuries, guy, yeah. Or, or or a craftsman necessarily and well to like, your I point, just, Jay, hey, watching him like the the injuries and and I've talked to him about this. Um you're when it when you happen when you get a few of them backed up you know back to back and you're still you're you're not really over one you're dealing with another yeah. you find yourself you're no longer physically in a position to get stronger to build you're constantly 
trying to repair your foundation, right? You build on a strong foundation. When your foundation starts to crack, when your foundation starts to crumble, you can't build. You stop building on that. You need to repair the foundation. But if you're just constantly eroding, you never have the opportunity to build again. You're just constantly playing catch up, it feels like, physically. And and that's, to your point about the numbers, that's what we're seeing happen on the field. You're matching it with the numbers in terms of velocity, lo- like velocity, loss, ability to swing and miss bats. Those two coincide. Like that just, it is, yeah, it is what it is. And <laughs> I, I know you, you came in hot about the White Sox early about, you know, their outstanding uh, decade plus run in that central division. But <laughs> I mean, as much, and, and look, we are a, uh, we are a, a big uh, Clev, <clears throat> Clev podcast here. We love Clev. Um, love Clev. I mean, may, like what I, when it happened, what I was, it's not thinking, a personal thing against Mike Clevenger. No. It's just, you know, it's, he, he, pitched, no. he pitches a certain way and he pitched mm-hmm. a certain way when he was at his peak with Cleveland and whether it's been with San Diego or, you know, I guess we'll see with the White Sox. It, he just hasn't been able to recapture that level of dominance. And, um, you know, the White Sox big moves were Clevenger and Ben and I'm just not sure that. I think expectation should be in check there if you're a White Sox fan, for sure. Yes, I think that's fair to say. Uh, I'm actually surprised that you didn't have any complaints about the Bogarts contract. Complaints like from the Padres end? Yeah. You think it's rich? They literally doubled the next best off. They doubled everything. They doubled yeah. everything. Years, they doubled the money, dollars. They doubled the years. Yeah. And I'll say this, like I, I, I'm more confused why the other best offer was half of that. Because like I, the I, must be missing, I must be missing something about like the Xander Bogarts market then because t- to me it was like him getting a Trey Turner-esque deal or like in line with what Carlos Correa was going to get in the in the original iterations of his deals with um with the Giants or Mets in terms of average annual value and approximate overall value like um it didn't seem strange to me that Bogarts would be grouped among that that group like I, maybe his upside is a little less than those guys on a year-to-year basis but He's been so outstanding for so long. Like I, I would have assumed that. I, I don't understand why the the other evaluations were 150 million dollars or whatever you're telling me it was. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Red Sox were somewhere around six for 167 for. I don't know. Uh, one. I mean, not 180, but. I while we're on the Padres, like I. One of the things I'm rooting hardest for in 23 is that the Padres overtake the Dodgers and actually just win that division. Because like I feel like I feel like they keep adding and keep coming up like 15 games short of the Dodgers, and it's like subjectively I just kind of want that group to break to break through and be more than kind of just like a a fun not sideshow because they 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 were a very good team last year, but to kind of take control of that division, at least for a year coming off a year where the Dodgers didn't really invest a whole lot this off season, kind of let more people walk than they signed. Um, I think it would be cool if what the, what the Padres have done from a roster building perspective was quote unquote rewarded with, you know, a legitimately dominating a hundred win division season or something like that. 
It would be nice. I, I just, I don't like the Dodgers are obviously a very good team, but even just like looking at the roster last year, is that a 111 win team? Yeah, they just are just because they are. They just spawn with 100 wins every year. Yeah, I mean, I would like to see the odds in the division right now. So I think people just give it to the Dodgers to give it to the Dodgers. But if you just went down the roster and with Tatis back, adding Bogarts, like if you just traded all their play, if you traded all the whole Padres team to the Dodgers, that you probably project the Dodgers to win about 120 games next year. I mean, the Dodgers. <laughs> The Dodgers get contributions from everywhere, it feels like. Looks like, if I'm looking at DraftKings correctly, it looks like Dodgers are minus 130, Padres are plus 135 to win the division for 23. The gap is closing. I was going to say, those are, I mean, those are respectable odds as we said today. Yeah. It's basically the exact same gap that they have for the Cardinals and the Brewers in the NL Central. Where are the Giants out there, Jay? Hey, just for entertainment. Plus 1,000. Plus 1,000. Yep. Pretty obviously a big gap between the Padres at two and the Giants at three. And then the other teams are, you know, relegation sure. candidates. They are in the division. They are there, there for sure. Um, <laughs> well, speaking of uh, being there, Blue Moon is always there for you. Oh, aren't they? I got to tell you. I absolutely hammered Blue Moons, hammered Blue Moons. Blue Moons were the beverage du jour uh, before I started to get into some bourbon late night, but Blue Moons, oh, buddy. It was Blue Moon, the, the beverage of choice in the clubhouse when the, uh, when, when the fight in Dallas is are uh, winning a championship. I actually, uh, and you can ask this, this happened. I walked into the bar blasting, we are the champions, standard, and mm-hmm. then I yelled, Moon me, Jake. Moons for the boys. And uh, ordered blue moons for my entire team. It was phenomenal. And they fucking erupted. It was, it was great. How many oranges? It was great. Uh, well, we only had 12 players on our team. So a minimum of 12. Well, we didn't use 12 whole oranges. Can't fit a whole fucking orange in a bottle, Joe. Jesus, you ever had well, a blue moon? Sure. That's my personal style. Yeah, so a slice. So maybe just a, you know, a couple oranges. You ever try a hard-boiled egg in there? Uh, what? No, I'm fucking civilized. Egg. What? Are you, you're a lunatic. <laughs> if you go to the right place, they'll give it to you. Yeah, what? Hawaii? That's where they fucking where they put eggs on everything. If you want, <laughs> next time just pop a fucking egg in the yeah. blue moon. <laughs> no, what? A, and then what do I do? Just throw that in the microwave? What? <laughs> the fuck out of here with your fucking deep-fried blue moon? Knock it back. Fucking weirdo. You are a weirdo. Uh, trades, free agency, roster cuts, baseball season feels so far away. But excitement is already building. Blue Moon gives you a dose of ballpark nostalgia without even being at the park. In fact, Blue Moon, Jay, hey, you might not know this. Blue Moon was born in a ballpark at the Sandlot Brewery in Denver, Colorado. It's mm. bold flavor, bright explosion of color, and I- iconic orange slice ritual uh, guarantees a one-of-a-kind beer experience year-round. And if you're on Dallas's A's fantasy camp team, 
It's a one-of-a-kind beer experience inside the clubhouse after winning the championship. Blue Moons were getting popped all over the place. You had orange peels all over the place. The coriander, you could oh. smell it through the rafters. Coriander was thick, Jared. I was wiping away the coriander. It was it was hints, and then it was strong. It was hints, and then it was fucking just in my face. But I, but also, there was champagne in my face, too. So it was like coriander, champagne. My, mm-hmm. wrist, uh, my, my, my wrist started barking a little bit because I had this fucking ring on. Like, it just, mm-hmm. man, yeah. But coriander in my grill. From its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander. Blue Moon Belgian style wheat ale is a one of a kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Oh. Why strike out with the same old beer when you can get something that's one of a kind? Best served with a signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful hazy color. A beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon, but you can enjoy it all off season long. Make winter weather feel like spring training. Blue moon Belgian style wheat ale is a one of a kind every time. Get blue moon by uh, delivered by visiting get.bluemoonbeer.com slash rocket to see your delivery options. That is get.bluemoonbeer.com slash rocket. Blue Moon made brighter. Celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Brewing Company Golden Colorado Ale. Uh, before we get back into it, Jay, hey, uh, you, as everyone, or not everyone, most people might know, you started off as uh, the producer of Starting Nine back in 2017. And me having to read ads has been quite the spiritual journey. How would you say after after jumping back in on this episode, how would you say I have progressed in terms of being able to read words? I, I'm glad you came to me because I was going to say something regardless. One of the, the joys that I had forgotten about um, <laughs> that I would get to experience by getting to participate in this podcast was your ad we- reads and specifically the random pronunciations of words that we get sometimes. Um, because I have never heard it pronounced coriander that in my is. life. Um, but it is. And, That's how. and it's, it, it was a real treat to, to get some coriander like, Mentioned you- like eight or nine times. So I think your reading is improved. Mm-hmm. I would say we still have some work to be done. Um, <laughs> yeah. Improvement always possible. Um, always but possible. I am really proud that you're still doing reads live. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you could have gone soft and done pre-recorded ad reads. They, they just, you know, that Jake slips right in afterwards or something like that to take the mm-hmm. pressure off. But you're, you're a man who's comfortable reading live even... Even if we get a slip up here or there, mm-hmm. even if you shouldn't be, <laughs> even if you shouldn't be, uh, yeah, no, I enjoy reading. It's um, it's one of my one of my favorite pastimes. So I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you were there for that. I, we haven't gotten a new read in a while, so like a lot of these, I can do blindfolded. Like the the Blue Moon ad read, they, they we we switch that up every now and then. Um, but in terms of getting like a new partner and being thrown off with uh what was the cheese you used to pronounce picorino Picarino. <laughs> cheese oh, that's good stuff that's what yeah. got no, bringing the cheese started that that was the birth of bringing the cheese bringing the cheese sure that'll find its way back in yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
uh, before we came on, we asked, is there a way to find out where we left off on the Mount Rushmore's? Oh, good. That That's great. I, I'm glad you brought that up because people have really been enjoying the Mount Rushmore segment. And I thought, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I thought, uh, you know, it'd be a great thing to tease for, for next episode. So everybody get ready for Mount Rushmore. I believe it's uh, the, I believe we're on the San Diego Padres edition, if I remember correctly. Yeah. We're on the Padres. So, yeah. Very exciting. That's um, what I thought. That's what the rundown said. Yeah. If you need to check out the other Mount Rushmore um, editions, just uh, go back and check out the archive of Starry Nine from like two and a half years ago. Should be really easy to find, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Didn't they like, they wiped out all of our content? Like, I think everything. like everything's. Oh, gone. did they? Yeah. I think so. That's cool. <laughs> I didn't know. I don't like the, I, I the podcast might still be there on Spotify, but uh, I want to say all of our YouTube content has been erased. We got the uh, the Chris Benoit treatment. I have a lot of the old raw files. I, I, I would bet that most of our interviews still exist on my computer, but um, they probably yeah, wouldn't even bad. notice if we um, just if we just use the the mp3s of old interviews and then put them on on this podcast i wonder what percentage people would probably enjoy them there were some good ones yeah some great ones hey next week we got cody bellinger like brought to you by flonays <laughs> <laughs> the uh, uh it's interesting that they took the time to wipe everything off because they kept my email intact and I got like every company email for like four years after I stopped working. No joke. Um, oh, it just, it, it just, I told you guys when it stopped, it was like six months ago. Yeah. They finally figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. They, they uh, just, they, took- uh, they just recently unfollowed me on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, they, they took, uh, they took their sweet time <laughs> cutting ties in some other areas. It was, it was great to see. You. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wish I would have gotten that sort of uh, that sort of uh, parachute. Uh, uh, and golden but, parachute. But, but I got to tell you, the fucking yeah, the, the email that was just an incredible, incredible source of entertainment for years to come. When did they stop your email, Dallas? Uh, they uh, like right around the same time. For Jay. I think right around the time he was hired, I think, was when Dallas stopped receiving <laughs> emails. Yeah, that's yeah, roughly. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, we'll I feel like Dallas is still getting emails for quite some time. They shut mine off immediately. <laughs> which was which is a quite the problem when I <laughs> You never checked it anyway. Well, stupidly had a lot of like logins tied to that email. So like I if I wanted to I'm 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 more of a Starbucks guy now than a Dunks guy but like my Dunkin Donuts app is like attached to that email so if I want if I forgot my password and want to retrieve it like I can't Yeah that's tough Yeah I think like at the, the time last my, Mount my Twitter Rushmore, I believe the last Mount Rushmore that we ever did Cardinals was yeah, the, I was, gonna say was Cardinals. the Cincinnati Reds Oh wow on Episode 297, December 23rd, 2021. Very so possible. A year and a month. <laughs> okay. All right. So now we, we just need to find out which teams we've already done. 
and then just yeah that's possible i gotta believe look if you're you know what how about let's do this jared let's do this all right right. if you're listening to this and you can provide us with tangible uh factual proof not evident but you know what i mean like here's what you guys did if you could show us that then jared uh will send you something like six years from now i'm sure you'll get it but like a baseball, you see that baseball that? is dead. That uh, shirt that Joe's wearing, he will have someone send that to your child. Even if you don't have a child now, and you're going to have one in the next like ten, that's when you'll get it from Jared. But he will send you that shirt. I I have the answer already. So just send me my oh. shirt. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I found the answer. Um, Where was it? We've done seventeen of them. Love that. Oh, so we still have plenty left. Plenty. A lot of meat on that bone. Just just under half the just under half the league. Do we know offhand what those teams are that we have not done? Um, I have the list of teams that we have done. Okay, let's um, do that. Let's do that. We have done the Cardinals, the D backs, the Mariners, the Twins, the Marlins, the Jays, the Royals, the Rays, the Orioles, the Phillies, the Padres, the Rockies, Astros, Braves, Cubs, Tigers, and Reds. Okay. All right. So a lot of good a lot of good teams. All right. Is there any is there is there any interest in saving the uh, the guards? The, oh, you said we already did the Braves though? Yeah, but nobody fucking remembers. Okay. No, I'm just the saying the Braves one was the most difficult one, remember? Now. Yeah. Like remember yeah. when we when we did the Braves one, that was the one that we broke all the rules because it was like, how are we not going to like that? The Braves Mount Rushmore. That's a hard one. Was the most difficult by far. Yeah. Borderline impossible. Yeah. Well, because so you have to put, you have to put those three guys on that. And then how do you leave Larry off? Babe Ruth. Does he count? I'm putting Babe. Boston Brave. <laughs> Boston Brave. <laughs> Just does not count. He's my number one. Does not he count. sucks. He sucks. Sucks. Murder. All right. So uh yeah. Well then you're gonna have to pick a team for us to to get into. Yeah, me? Yeah. Well, somebody. Not me. Okay. How did we pick how did we pick last time? Jay oh, just, just picked whatever, whatever the hell I wanted to do. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> not any more scientific than that. Okay. Uh, we didn't do the Marlins. In no. honor of McCutcheon, should we do the Pirates? Ooh. Ooh. I'm into that. Yeah, okay. Seems like a nice one to ease back into, right? Yeah. Next Just week. got some legitimate legends on that team. Some great. Next week, the Pittsburgh Pirates. A couple of different pockets of relevance. Throughout its history, mm-hmm. could really tap into all corners of baseball. Mm-hmm. I'm throwing out Steve Blass. Just going to throw that out there. <laughs> Did we do the A's? Did we do the A's? Um, no, no. I don't think, okay. Uh, yeah, we Why hadn't done I the. Think? We didn't do the A's. We didn't do the Red Sox. I don't think we did the Indians Guardian. slash Guardians. Nope. Okay, then what? Where? Where did? Don't I remember using Dallas? For that's, a Mount Rushmore. No, that's where I was going to say we should do, like, should we save our four teams for the last for the four end. that we do? 
Yeah, sounds good. And sure. just do a proper version of the Braves with Joey. Yeah, we could, yeah. Mm-hmm. We can revisit the Braves. I love that. It's hard. It's really hard. Borderline impossible. Um what else is there is there uh, what else have we missed? Nothing happened. Not literally nothing happened in the world of baseball since the last time that we did an episode. The Red Sox signed Adam Duvall. Yeah, I was Woo! gonna say. Tommy Pham to the Mets. I saw you said you like that Duvall move. I do. I, I mean, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really, I'm gonna really expand on my mental illness on name redacted. But for here, I will say that um, with a couple of weeks ago having not just no middle infield, but like no spine to the entire diamond, uh, Jorge Alfaro, very excited about that. Oh man, that minor league deal. Uh. And then bringing in, like, moving Kike to short or maybe putting him at second base if they're going to sign Elvis Andrews and then putting Duvall in center. And the then story comes back, endless. if he does come back, what then you the can hell move Kike back. To this team? Listen, listen. <laughs> so many options. We yeah. just so we got a lot options. of interchangeable pieces. And uh, we're kind of like the... Uh, we're like the Megatron of Major League Baseball. It's true. Where you just you don't know what we're gonna transform into. Didn't and Elvis Andrews get kicked off the A's last year? So we're gonna bring in Elvis Andrews, three win player last year, three win player last year, and then that's when we're gonna start cooking with gas. And uh listen, I love where the Holy team's shit. at. Jake, how do you feel about the Sox right now? Yeah, they're probably gonna win the World Series. Yeah, we got a World Series aspirations in Boston. We're just, we are an Elvis Andrews, a 34-year-old Elvis Andrews away from really starting to talk about October, making plans, booking hotels. That's when you start booking hotels for all like the for National League cities. Or... <clears throat> no, we're, we're going to be there for the World Series. Uh, but we still have to sign Elvis Andrews. So once we do that, but I love the Adam, uh, you know what the mark of a true great signing is when all the fans of the, of the team that that player just played for. Uh, they're like, make sure that you take good care of our guy versus when you sign or trade for a guy and they're like, good fucking luck with so-and-so. Like, what, who did that it's just also happen what with? you say when you drop your grandparents off at the old folks' home. Just take care of this. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's, fine. That's, Elvis, that's more applicable to Elvis Andrews, I think. Someone, I forget what player that just happened with where it was like, yeah, good fucking luck with that asshole. But Adam Duvall, <clears throat> Braves fans far and wide are like, make Class sure you take care of our boy. Yeah. Act. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Adam Diabetes uh, Duball. That's the man right there. Let's let's not sleep on one of the biggest international signings that the game has seen this season, this offseason. And that's uh <clears throat> Mount Fuji has now made his way to Mount Davis. That's right. Shintaro Fujinami. Is an Oakland A. He is an <laughs> Oakland A. Oh yeah, I know uh, there was a is lot a of anticipation. Player? Baseball is he world. A player? Whoa, whoa. Is he a I player? Didn't know, like, didn't know if it was like a front office pick. I didn't know if we were doing fantasy camp again. It all. I don't know. <laughs> You're talking about a guy who goes. I don't know. Ninety-five to one hundred and one from the right side. Jeez. Cuervo split. 
I didn't buddy. know if he was a city council lobbyist or something like that. No, it's it's no 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 no. Yeah, this guy this guy is gonna be this guy's gonna be nasty. Gonna be absolutely nasty. He's been throwing over at uh, over at Cal with a uh, former Oakland A, current Cal head coach Mike New. Um, just I mean, look when you talk about moves to get you excited for the next season. This guy's. He when are you going to start all. talking about those? Talking talking about what? Oh, those moves? Was, oh, it was about this move. Oh, okay. this move. <laughs> this move right here. It's. It's. You know. Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to call it the first domino, Jay Hay. I'm not going to call it the first domino. That's not. You know. I'm just. I'm here to talk about the baseball team. That's all I'm. I'm here to do. So I'm not here to manage the baseball team. Just here to talk about it. You know. He's. He seems first domino, last nail. Who's to? He seems. To he seems very excited. Very excited. The guy was dominant. In Japan for the last decade, dominant. Mm-hmm. So I've got I got a lot of hopes to to watch this guy come over. I I um on a serious note, I am excited because when you start talking nice about piece. Yeah. high velocity arms, it's fun to watch. Haven't had a ton of those over the last few years here in Oakland. Frankie Montas is is you know really one that comes to mind when you start talking about guys who tickle a hundo. So for that to be well within range. That's something fun to note. Um, so, yeah. That's, that's, that's about all I got on Fuji. Riveting. Riveting. It, it is. It's absolutely moving. Joey, you see they're giving Judgy a key to the city? <sighs> Took him long enough. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, that's our captain, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> a key to New York? Yeah, I guess Hell so. Yeah. I'm fucking me and we're gonna be hanging out. I'll, I'll, I might move to New York now. I know we can get it anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Judgey, they do. Judgey, you getting the key to the city, bro? When is when is always, that happening? I saw it, I saw it like a few days ago. That uh, let me see. How are they going to give the ju- a judge the key to the city? Isn't that corrupt? Isn't Aaron whoa, Judge will receive a key easy. to the city of New York? The mayor, the mayor announced this. Wow, that's what happens when you get the key to the city. But it who was, else is? I want to see a history of who else has gotten the key to the city in New York. I bet it's. I bet there's some shitheads in there. <laughs> some people that you you wouldn't think are worthy of that. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 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 Like, do you think, like, Carmelo Anthony has the key to the city in New York? Is he a bad, is he a bad dude? I don't know. Is he, is he a shit? <laughs> I feel like, what, I mean, I don't know. Like, did he, has he done something where I feel like Melo was chill? Melo's a good guy, right? No. Am I wrong? I don't know. I don't know him. Yeah. Well, I don't <laughs> I know like- him either, but I mean, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. Was there like a cancellation on Melo that I, that I missed or like, my God. I don't know. No. Like, yeah. Did they give uh they probably gave like Chuck Knobloch a key to the city at some point too? Wow. That's that's mean. Why does that mean? Uh didn't old Chuck have the yips? Yeah. Yeah. Real piece of shit. Your words, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think that's how that went. You literally told me that off the air. No. No, yeah, I didn't. Did. Have you ever uh, met him before? I think no. he is a piece of shit. 
Look that up. Didn't didn't <laughs> didn't Chuck Knobloch do some some piece yep. of shit stuff? Yeah, he, he did, did. right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Was that like domestic abuse and shit? I no, forget. I'm just throwing out accusations. I gotta I gotta see what that. Yeah, he I have one something. in my head that I'm not he gonna definitely say got arrested that. for something. Right? <laughs> oh, well, you got you. I mean, you, Jared's already <laughs> said it out loud. Why don't you just fucking throw it out there and slander the guy? I don't know. I was like, yeah, it was domestic violence. It was domestic violence. Yeah. Yep. Domestic violence charges in 2009. Yeah. Yep. And uh, in 2014 again. So he's a multi-offender. Jesus. Probably probably has a key to the city, though. I bet. Well, they apparently they're just willing to look past some things in New York, yeah. which we know. Yeah. Oh, of course. Um, any other any other news tidbits? Jay, hey, you have anything else written down over there? No, I think, uh, I, think I said enough. It's well, as you that, can though. see, as you can see, Jay, hey, we have uh, maintained the integrity of the pod, and uh, we try to keep it tight and narrow. Yes, very succinct, and so I think it's only fitting your first day back. Crossing the two-hour mark. <laughs> well, I with, feel like uh, not a damn thing. I don't know what Jake. Do we know what the exact plan is for the the podcast schedule once the season starts? Have we decided on that? I mean, the right now we're talking Monday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday. Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. So Monday would be like the meaty uh this series recaps blah, blah 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 yeah yeah so like yeah. that'll probably be like a two-hour piece wednesday probably like an hour-ish and then the thursday one would be here's here's kind of like what's going on this weekend so you'll have an extra you'll tentatively speaking we'll be at three episodes a week once the season starts which is also another announcement i guess um Sounds the so goal hard. will be especially with Jay Hay back in the fold now. The goal will be to keep that shit tight. <laughs> but not the Monday episode. The Monday episode that's going to be Jared froze. that's going to be the the free for all. I froze? Yeah. Momentarily. Yeah. Uh the Monday episode will be the free for all, probably a little bit more on the meaty side. Wednesday will keep it tight, Thursday will try to keep it clean. So, I'm excited for that. I'm excited that Jay oh, yeah. is back. Feels right. Feels right that uh, that he's back with the boys. And, Thanks um, for welcoming me back. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's kind of like I know you guys are big wrestling fans. It's kind of like when when uh, when CM Punk was the champion and then he left, and then uh, he had to come back and and win the title that he never lost. That's Jay Hay. He's he's back to claim the title that he never lost. Mm. Goddamn right. Un- unforeseen circumstances. Nuggets are back. I was gonna say, yeah, 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 Jay Hay got himself a fucking commercial sized stove. Oh yeah. my god. <clears throat> gonna be all cooking right. all season long. Get bubbling. <clears throat> all right. We'll uh we'll be back next week. Hope you enjoy the podcast. We'll be back next week with uh the Pittsburgh Pirates. Mm. Mount Rushmore, Raisin. whatever other baseball news that happens along the way, plus uh, some Jake's takes before we go.
Uh, I think Boston should give Adam Duvall a key to the city. That's a great take. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great take. Adam Duvall over over under 35 and a half homers is the line that I saw, Jake. It's a great way to start his career. <laughs> I mean, if if I didn't wake up this morning and see at least I don't know. No exaggeration. 53 tweets of people doing the overlay of the Adam Duvall 2021 spray chart over Fenway Park trying to say that this motherfucker is going to come in and break Aaron Judge's American League home run record. (laughs) I'm rooting for him. I hope he does it. I hope he does it. I'm rooting for him. Uh, the data says it's it. It could be. It could be. It could be 2023 <laughs> that we see Adam Duvall take down Aaron Judge's single season American League home run record. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, the, the race that everybody had no idea they were going to be privileged <laughs> to. Yeah, yeah. Duvall Judge American League single season home run record. Uh-huh. Uh, Does. Just as oh. long as you knock down Roger Maris Jr. one more peg, <laughs> fucking loser. That, I can see him. He's going to start showing up to Red Sox games un- uninvited. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I would have security remove him so fast. Oh, I'm here for every bit of that. I don't know if you have that power anymore, buddy. Ever, ever since you packed your bags and moved out of there. Hmm. Yeah. I can still see Fenway from my house. Moved out to God. the Burbs. Yeah, God doesn't even go to Dunkin anymore. Starbucks guy. Nope. Starbucks guy. I've been a Starbucks. I've been a Starbucks guy. Damn. I mean, uh, Jared has Jay Hay. Uh, Jay Hay, did you get to see the Christmas present that I got, Jared? I can't no. get it from here. You can't what? I can't get it from here. My legs are broken. I don't. I don't think that's true. I think. Come on, Jay Hay's first day back. Can you please? Can you just please show Jay Hay? The picture. Show me your Christmas present. I don't want to. I can't get up right now. I'm very sleepy. That's unfortunate. <laughs> then I'll just have to text it to him. Did I Wonderful. send you a picture? Oh, buddy. I Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> there's people that are in your house that have your phone number that have my phone number. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, it's, I'm putting it in my living room. Dallas, Dallas sent me a picture of... Uh, himself with my mother and my adopted sister and then sent it to me as a housewarming gift (laughs) in a massive picture frame that would take up a large portion of the wall i mean it's got its own wall i think jay is frozen no he's there all right (laughs) he just knows it's a good gift he wants to see it it's all right if you want to keep it from him though it's fine i'll get i'll see it eventually oh yeah yeah i'll see it eventually all right. Well, Jared, best of luck on your leg surgery. Thank you. The people, <laughs> yeah, I did see that when I said that we had an announcement. Someone said Jared's finally getting the uh, the leg the implants. Leg, yeah, leg. No, no, the leg lengthening surgery. Yeah, the leg implants. Well, leg implants to me is the calf implants. Oh, oh no, those yeah. different, different implant. Yeah, totally different surgery. <laughs> All right. Mm. See you next week. Okay. We go! This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.